0: often speculated why you don't return to america did you absconder with the church funds run away with the senator's wife i like to think that you killed a man it's romantic in me it was a combination of all three good evening and welcome everybody this is our 260th take yes Ellos fumar takes 260th take. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. Some cinefacts, cinemaniacs, whatever you want to call them, movie fanatics. We're all we're all back to uh, have another great evening at the cinema with two of my favorite people. We're going to be talking a fantastic film. Yes, the 80th anniversary of Casablanca is right here, right now. So we're going to go ahead and get that done. But before we get started with introductions and. Talking about one of the greatest films of all time. We do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again. The Papa's Fritus is back, but it's back in an all-new, the all-new blend. Yes, the H99, the Liga Provada H99 is now available in the iconic. <laughs> Papas Fritas Latola. Yes, you can check out your Drew Diplomat retailer today. Check out and get the H99 Pappas Fritas right now. You definitely want to grab a few of them because they are pretty small, but they're very, very tasty. H99 Papas Fritas. Get uh, to your Drew, Drew Diplomat retailer today and check out the latest and greatest from Drew Estate. And welcome, everyone. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome tonight's guest sponsored by United Cigar, smoke one today and start living United, Mister Fred Rui and Sam Spencer, gentlemen. How are we doing tonight?
1: Good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. I'm doing great, Bear. It's, it's good to be back.
0: It is. It's good to have you guys back. I I love talking movies with you guys, and um, I love that we've we've kind of done this. We've done this a couple of times <laughs> now, and uh, uh, we missed it by a couple of months, unfortunately. But this, you know, the 80th anniversary of Casablanca just passed. And uh, we're here to talk about one of the uh, most, I would say the most iconic films of all time. Um, I consider it one of the the greatest films of all time. It's certainly one of my personal favorites. But I thought we'd kind of kick things off with that kind of that, I know, really kind of tired, tired question. Um, Where does it fall uh, on your all time list? Is it top five, top 10, top 25? Doesn't break the top 100? Like where where does this film kind of fall for you, Fred?
2: So
3: it's gonna. It's probably an unpopular thing. It's a top fifty. It's probably a top forty, and that's probably as close as I'm gonna get it. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna qualify that. at stuff we're gonna talk about in the show later. I'm sure. But um, you know, it's it's uh, we've come a long way. So I, I can certainly look at that movie at the time and the reverence, and and certainly we're gonna talk about the timing release, which was very very topical at the time. Uh, probably the most well-timed release of anything or most, you know, one of the most um, current event type things happening at the time. But, you know, look, as a, as a movie, it's not fair. We, we, we've got, we've got 80 years of movies since then. So it's just not fair to look back at a Casablanca or a Citizen Kane or something that just wowed everybody. And it's the same way, by the way, you know, if you have kids and you're, you know, you're, you're watching the show and you have kids or something like that. And it's like, Movies you remembered that you were like, oh, my God, this movie was great. I was growing up with it and it meant something to you. And you show your kids and your kids have had another 20 years since then or 15 years or 12 years of, of a different perspective. And they're like, uh, it really wasn't that good. And you're like, you, you want to shake him. Like, you don't realize how good this film is. And so you, it's, it's different. It's, it's different. So it's a top 40 for me. Um, and, and, and certainly there are parts of it that I that I will give credit, you know, way higher. Uh, But yeah, I mean, as far as just outright films and how do I feel afterwards and does it strike a chord with you emotionally and stuff, it's an era that we weren't part of, you know, that we've learned through history books. So it doesn't resonate the same as if you were growing in that time. So it's a top 40 for me me as a a film geek. But uh, beyond that, it's hard for me to put in, you know, like the best film of all time and things like that.
0: What about you, Fred? Uh, what well, about you, Fred? What about you, Sam? Gosh, I'm gonna, this is going to be a long night.
3: Well, I'm in I'm in a
1: very different camp than Fred. Um, now, obviously, I didn't. I don't think I saw this movie until maybe like high school is when I saw this movie, which I think is probably when you're old enough to appreciate this movie. Um, but I absolutely love this movie. It is in my top ten for sure. Um, I mean, like Fred mentioned, the timing of the release in 1942 and all the themes that go along with the timing of it that are in this movie, I think, are incredible. They shot it in black and white on purpose. They could have shot it in color, um, and I think it it ages beautifully. To be honest with you, I definitely top ten for me. I'm not sure what you think, Bear, but it could be top five. I just I haven't ranked them in order.
0: You know, I've I've got a really like I've still I've still haven't updated it, but like I have this like some. I public like back, you know, when Facebook first came out and stuff, you could publish things on your profile. I, I put together a top movie list. I don't even think it's on it, which is a crying shame. Um, but that's, I think that's before, I don't, before I really actually thought about it, I think it was just something I did off the cuff and I probably still haven't even deleted it at some point, but no Casablanca is one of those things. Like I, i learned, I saw it in high, I saw it in high school too, Sam. So like we weren't different in that regard, but I spent a lot of time with the film, at TCU when I was, you know, in the radio TV film department. So, um, and that's where I kind of learned to appreciate it. And then I just started watching it over and over again as they tend to do with films. And I've just, I've come to love it so much. I would say it probably fluctuates somewhere in my top 25, uh, but definitely gets into my, it's probably currently, probably in my top 10 somewhere. Um, I, I couldn't remember. I, I, I thought it was number three. I, I, From uh, on the AFI's top 100 list, it's actually number two. AFI has it at number two behind Citizen Kane. And Fred referenced this. Here's my hot take: Citizen Kane's not even in my top 50. Which is, I mean, I don't know where it is on your list, Fred. If you just mentioned it because it's like one of those iconic class, like or if it's 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 it's
3: not top 50 for me. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. It's and that's like the yeah AFI's top 100 is number one film, and I was like, I remember watching when that when that uh when that list came out it was like right before 2000 and i remember watching it on tv and they're going down the list and and i was like yeah i've seen all i've seen a lot even at that young of an age i saw these films and everything i was like wow this is really great and even my parents were getting into it which was kind of cool and and they were like it was like almost like watching a sporting event when they got to 100 citizen came my parents were like oh god you know like they're just so upset they're so upset by it but um but yeah, I, I, um, oh gosh, I, I like you were telling, ta- like you were saying, Fred. Like I think the, the historical significance that what it was when it came out. So here's here's another thing too. I'm sure we'll get into like little bits and trivia about this. There was a point. This almost didn't happen. This film actually didn't happen because uh, Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Berman actually were trying to collectively, both together, were trying to get out of the film because they, yeah, Bogart thought the script was really lousy
1: well i read earlier today that they're <clears throat> writing the script during filming
3: yeah the- well they, they rushed it they, they actually went for a, a, a timing early a, a timing early so they actually rushed it out they tried to get it out about nine months early because of what was going on uh, mm-hmm. abroad uh mm-hmm. specifically with casablanca so they were actually trying to they, so that that was what led to the whole running on the fly and stuff like that
0: yeah even the reference like to like well, well, we might talk about this later. Well, let's go talk, talk about it now. So like the scene where he's drunk and he's talking, he's talking to Sam. And he says, he says, it's, it's such and such time here. December. What time, 19- what time is it in New York?
2: Yeah.
0: I bet they're asleep in New York. And it's like, it's such a Sam. we were talked about this when we were watching it the other night. It's like, that was such a dig uh, to America being asleep during, during what was going on in the entire world and stuff. So it was really, I don't think
3: most people realize that the line, they, they, they think he's a little bit after I mean, he's, it is a dig. It's it's an absolute slam at America on that. And they think, Oh, well, wait a minute. They'd be up or they're doing whatever. Like, no, that's, that's him talking about America in general. I think most people miss that line. And that's, what's cool. That is something cool about the movie. There's a lot of really good lines. And we're used to a certain setup now. We're used to a certain rapport. We're used to better audio, whatever it may be. And there's a lot of really good lines that you don't catch the first time around on it for sure.
0: Yeah. This was, this is why it's so good on the rewatch. Um, it's just like the, just like the subtleties and everything like that. Um, like we'll, we'll find out one of my favorite characters later on is actually one of the more minor characters because I think he, his delivery and stuff and what he, the way he he's used as a vessel to kind of shuffle the story along. is just kind of funny. Um, but, uh, but Fred, I wanted to ask you, uh, before we kind of got things started, what are, what are you smoking tonight? And what are you drinking? Uh, I am smoking a, um, Elusione Habano,
3: which we just released, we did over at the San Latano factory of AJ. So this is the Gordo size. Uh, and actually, I just have water and I have a Diet Pepsi tonight. It's, it's really hot out. So I didn't,
0: I, you know, I just wasn't feeling having a drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hot here in Texas, too. We're, I'm, I'm drinking some water, too. Uh, I think Sam's, Sam said the only one that he, he's like the hell with this school right. starts this week. Gonna well, I got kids in my classroom. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to freaking pour myself a, a tall one. So what do you, what are you drinking, Sam? What are you smoking?
1: Well, I'm smoking El- Elusione CG four little Candela to start the evening. I've got an 88 Maduro up next and I'm pairing it with a little Bardstown origin. We mm. uh, bourbon on a a lot of ice because I'm sitting outside and it is <coughs> 10 PM and it's 95 degrees.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's gone down a couple degrees since we started. It was a hundred. It was a hundred. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're yeah so it's, yeah. So finally, yeah. The darkness finally caught up with the sun going down. It's like finally cooling off and everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, I w- I was concerned not wearing pants, but then I just decided that was, that would have been a bad decision too. Um, Wait, we're supposed to wear pants. Well, no, you don't. You don't have to. Oh, Panther Option. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, I would like for you to select my <laughs> cigar tonight, Fred. I've got a, a choice okay. that you'll, you'll appreciate. Um, I've got one of these uh, these Illusione fresh packs here, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I've got the Illusione Corojo, uh, mm-hmm. the Illusione Ultra Maduro, Habano, all with the new beautiful new bands and a singulare as well. So, um, have you smoked anything yet today? I have.
2: I smoked anything today? Yes. Early this morning. That was uh, it. What'd you have what'd you for dinner?
0: Uh, I had um, something pretty boring. Just basically deconstructed tacos made of the ground turkey. Go with the Ultra. You got it.
2: Sounds good. I love the Ultra, man. I love the Ultra mm-hmm. too, man. Everyone talks about it being super
0: strong, though. I've never been. I've never. I've never. I've smoked ultras for breakfast. I don't.
2: I
3: don't think it's strong. I think it's stronger in Luciano's portfolio because we don't have an over-the-top like everything. Everything Dion blends is more for flavor, so he can have something that's pusher, pushing, fuller body, pushing a little bit more strength to it. But nothing is over the top. But I, I also get, you know, you can some got, some people can interpret full-bodied as stronger i think and so yeah. i think that that's really that is a more full-bodied cigar that is a lot of flavor So, but i don't think it's an over-the-top strong. not not i mean look we've all been around shops long enough to know guys that say oh i want strong cigars i mean that's a that's another category of cigars and most people are, don't
2: smoke those yeah or, it's
0: not it's not a nicotine bomb no. it doesn't like yeah it just doesn't like it doesn't no. for you or anything i've always i've always liked this cigar though i've just really been a fan so all right. This is the Robusto size, a five by fifty. Um and uh, five by fifty-two rather, excuse me. So
3: I might do that next because I've I've got a fan on me, and unfortunately it's you know making the cigar
2: go a little bit more. So I might have to do one of those up for this one.
0: And I love the way the uh I love the way the black and the very subtle gold trim for that new with that new logo. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah,
3: those those bands that the the guy that the unused was on the designing, I'm really happy with that. It's still on brand. They're they're fairly ornate, but they're still on brand. But they're just really it's 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 almost like artwork. I mean it's 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 really not a throwaway band by any means as far as, you know, look and feel.
0: It it really was it really grew on me, Fred. It really did. I was I was I I didn't know what to think when I first saw them last year at the trade show and everything, but everything's just kind of grown on me. And I
3: I think if, once you get over the shock of what we got away from, which really was the plain bands, which worked great for years and just it's a different market now. It's a different market than when I started. Uh, once you get past that, if you'd have seen that from any other brand out of the gate, you go, wow, those are pretty cool looking bands. It's just yep, yeah. The, the, the mind go, but I really think I'm gonna stop it. I really like the old bands, but like, yeah, we like the old bands too. But it's it's time for, it's time for a change.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I love the old bands and it was like shocking to see the new ones. But then I saw, I think it was the Singulari band. I was like, yeah. damn, that looks good. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that one in particular. And now, yeah, it pops. they next to each other on a shelf too. Which I yeah, agree. it's
3: funny. I was showing the, I was showing the uh, Singulari to an unnamed retailer that we all know. And I was talking about the packaging changes and stuff like that. Because none of the blends are changing at all. And he's looking at, it's like, yeah, I would have liked to have seen you guys go with a little bit more color. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How much more color could we do? I think I made the joke. I'm like, do you want Camacho colors? Because I was thinking when Camacho did the rebranding of all the colors, which by the yeah. way, was probably one, well, one of the better rebrands for a brand, or, or certainly at the time did really good with it. But I'm just like, I do you not know who we are? That's a lot of color for us.
0: <laughs> yeah. We went from black and white to actually adding color. So like, be yeah, right. So. Give, give me a break. Some some colors of the rainbow, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the next the next brand, the next just the uh, rainbow, rainbow colors or something. Well, that
3: uh, that new one, um,
0: it's not
3: phosphorus, but it's the same. Uh, what's his name with crown heads?
0: The uh, uh, Armasinger.
3: Yeah, Mossinger just did the one that's got the the colors that. Um, oh, the
0: Pycnestasia. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Or I was just gonna say the the new limited edition from uh, Luciano Cigars, the Roy G. Biv. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> remembers that uh, elementary school reference to uh rainbow cars anyway we've got we've gotten way off topic but really great job yeah. on that Fred uh thank you so much for picking a cigar it's it's delightfully uh gonna be drinking some more water here and uh but yeah let's I mean let's let's dive right in here so I mean I we always kick things off here uh on these on these shows about the with the uh you know these films and stuff with our our favorite quote and i love i love kicking off the movie i love kicking off the show with a, with a quote i love quotes anyone who follows me on instagram knows that i love quotes um so i i i decided to pick kind of away from the standard there's so much this is this is probably one of the most quotable films uh in history And misquoted and misquoted completely, like <laughs> because uh, what people think that they say, they actually don't say. Like she never, right? right. She never does say Play it again," Sam. She never does say. He that.
3: doesn't. They always. Say, he always gets credit for that, and he doesn't say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but these were some of my favorites. Uh, so uh, I mean, it's it's pretty much in one of the opening scenes. Uh, it's you got the, and Rick and and uh, it's it's Rick's line. He's like, "I don't mind a parasite. I object to a cut rate one." I fucking, I laugh hysterically every time. I don't get it. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just, I just love it. Great great and, great uh, but I love the opening scene that we opened the show with too. I, I will, we'll talk about this quite a bit. I, I love, and every time that i rewatch this, i love it more and more. i love the relationship that Claude Rains and Humphrey Bogart have. So Renault, uh, and 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 Rick's characters in the film I love their chemistry I love the fil- I love the scenes that they film together I love the dialogue that they that they share between each other and there's like it's we'll, we'll talk about this later about the the last line of the film which uh again often gets misquoted but um but it kind of if you watch the movie as much as I have you you understand that 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 line is actually a isn't anything new because I just, I love their interactions and everything. But my, Mm -hmm. uh, my, my next one, um, my next favorite is uh, when Rick meets major Strasser uh, from the third Reich. And uh, he says, Hey, yes. would you mind if I ask you some questions off the record? Of course he's like, make it official if you'd like. And he says, what's your nationality? He says, I'm a drunkard. And it's just this dry, like he, he has this dry delivery to it. It's just fantastic. And of course everyone laughs at it, but like um, that Renault chimes in, he's like, Oh, that makes Rick a citizen of the world, which, but the the amateur is hilarious. (laughs) I love it. I, 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 and, but, uh, we'll talk about favorite scenes later, but that's one of my favorite quotes too. But, uh, uh, Fred, what, what about you? What, uh, what are some of your favorite quotes from the film?
3: Oh, it's funny. I, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. I mean, like I said you know, earlier, it's like, there's a lot of gems in there that you will just miss because they're not they, they don't do this massive setup They're Most of them are like throwaways, like the yeah. ones you just said, they're just, they're just kind of throwaways. And if you yeah. just don't catch it, you just don't cause nobody like does this whole setup, you know, staring at the camera thing to, to, to deliver their punchline. Um, but a lot of them, I mean, look, not by the way the film is structured or the script, but Renault is just the comedic relief throughout this film. Mm-hmm. By his level of sarcasm, or though he comes from a more—it's like the odd couple thing with between him and Rick. You know, one serious, one's not. But you know, Rick is always very aware of the environment. Is, is, is in the environment. But uh, Rick's line uh, two really, that I can think of. One, one was uh, when Rick's pointing the gun at him, and he's like, "And remember, you know, this gun is pointing right at your heart." And Renault sa- says, "Well, th- that's my least vulnerable, vulnerable spot. spot." Yeah, you know, I mean. <laughs> And then the other one, uh, which is a complete throwaway, and I, I think, again, easy to miss, is when they'd already tore apart Rick's place trying to find the letter transit. And w- when they're all done, and, you know, Renault asks him, he says, tell me, w- you know, when we, when we searched the place, where were they? And Rick says, you know, uh, they were in Sam's Piano. And Renault basically just says, serves me right for not being musical. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a great line among all the seriousness of it. And, and, and he, like I said, he's just got these, these lines that they, they don't draw attention to, but it's cause they're, they're delivered serious, you know?
0: Yeah. We'll talk about nitpicks a little bit later, but uh, yeah, the, the hiding mm-hmm. of the letters is going to come up a little bit oh, later. for sure. Yeah, for but,
3: sure. Um, There's a lot of piano gaps in, 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 the, in this movie, but you know, yes.
0: whatever. Uh, this is the time that I'll interject since it's, since the piano is getting brought up for the first time tonight, uh, And I, Sam, correct me if I'm wrong before you give your quicks. I think I blew, I think I blew your mind with this. He doesn't know how to play piano. He's a great singer, but he's not a pianist. Mm Yep, he can't play the piano. Dooley Wilson cannot play the piano.
3: And it's. Yeah, and there's scenes where you can actually see that his hands are not timed correctly. But I mean, you got to really be looking for that. Otherwise, otherwise you've got to be a musician or at least understand that that is not the sound that comes out of an upright piano, that that is all the sound that comes out of a grand piano. So um, that alone already is, is is wrong, but it doesn't matter. You Fred's
0: well, so taking this to another level. I didn't even fucking think about that. I'm just watching his hands just being like, yeah. but no, he's, he's got a great voice too. And he, he, um, Oh, he uh, does. Absolutely. And I, I love the range that he shows. If we're going to get music for two seconds, I do love the range that he shows like the opening number where he talks about, you know, the opening, as opposed to the opening number two, the, the 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 iconic song in the whole the whole for the whole movie. As time goes mm-hmm. by, it's a very very different style of singing, and yet he he captures it both, which is really really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Sam, what about you? Favorite favorite quotes from the film?
1: I mean, like we've kind of talked about. I feel like you could just close your eyes, press fast forward, pause it, and it's going to be a great quote in this movie. Like. Mm-hmm. Every scene has these memorable quotes that if you just, if you stop paying attention for two seconds, you missed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but one of my favorites, which kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier in like all the political messaging is when they're after Ugati in Rick's cafe. And the other guy comes up to Rick after they got Ugati. He's like, it's like, I hope you'll protect me or whatever he says. And Rick goes, I stick my neck out for nobody. And he he does that several times throughout the film. And then you know the transition is he does. He changes. Right. He sticks yeah. his neck out. He joins the fight.
0: Time and time again. Like like even like uh even the scene where he helps the girl. He helps the girl, he helps the young couple. Yeah, you know
1: he Just, the young couple, he puts them on the plane, he tells the band to play the song. Yeah, he gives them he gives them a nod. Yeah. Uh, so that is absolutely one of my favorites. Just the meaning behind that
2: one little mm-hmm.
1: line that you would dismiss yeah. um, for what was happening in the world at the time.
0: Also, then, what, what a dick move. Like that guy who actually says it out loud and he says, like, I stick my neck out for no one. It's like, God, you well, shit. I... Yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> if you won't help yeah. me. No kidding. And then there's always the
1: classic one that you were muttering. I don't know if you we were live or not. Is of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. Yeah. That's so classic. Um, All the gin joints in all the
0: places in all the world, she walks into mine.
1: I I love that line, but I stick my neck out for nobody. And then the transition that happens throughout the film starting right after that.
3: They set they set that up well because not only does he deliver several lines it really is the moment with the, I'm sure we'll talk about the roulette table, but I mean, it's the moment when he helps the young couple that the staff realizes, you know, recognize that that's against his character. Yeah. So it's not like he's not, you know, I mean, they're all surprised by it and, you know, think, you know, see, see that part of him that they don't
0: normally see. Yeah. Cause Sasha comes around and gives him a huge kiss and he's just like, oh, yeah. he's like, you crazy Russian, like just gives him like a smack right. on the ass. It's funny. Uh, of course he's supposed to be three sheets to the wind at that point because he's like he's probably like second but second or third bottle in at that point. Mm-hmm. Um but um I I kind of, like I think that's the, probably the best point about this film. There's 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 a lot of movies like this I think. But this is probably the tops of that list where you could like you were saying Sam like you could really fast forward like close your eyes fast forward stop and like like there's never a part of this film, I don't think like I've seen it way too many times. So this is easy for me to say, but like you guys probably I know you guys have seen it several times, but probably not. It's like there's no way at any point if you've seen it a few times, if you press play at any point in the film that you don't know it's Casablanca.
3: Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. For sure.
0: It's
1: like iconic scene, iconic scene, iconic yeah. scene, like every one of them
0: back to back to back. <clears throat> So, good stuff. Uh, anyone else in, who's watching or listening on uh, later, you can guys drop your drop your favorite quotes in the the chat because uh, the chat or the comments because you know obviously we missed we missed a few because there's there's tons there's absolutely tons. In there. Oh, there's
3: there's there's there. I mean, it really is well written. Like, I mean, it, it, it's almost like you could just read the script and and that's when you like you said so many of the lines. It's so easy to miss. So easy to miss. so many of the lines. I mean, we I mean, we can go through a ton of other quotes on there that just aren't showcased. Like I said, they just they're just
2: they're just characters talking, you know.
0: So, so we were, we, we've kind of alluded to this already a couple of couple times and everything, how it's misquoted often, and everything like that. But is there a movie that's more interwoven into today's society with like, quote, like, is there a more quoted movie? Like we talked about this when we did The Godfather. Like The Godfather has some iconic quotes that are still like used. But I think I think this one tops it. I think Casablanca has more that is used in like just like everyday you know everyday nomenclature. I mean can you guys think of another film? I mean I would again this is this is 80 years into it. So
3: I would argue The Godfather Probably more quoted than this is now. But when you talk about the the height of film of 30s and 40s, and that was the golden era of film, I gotta bet that if we lived in the 50s, you know, 40s, 50s and stuff like that, this was all you heard. You know, this was the, you know, I don't think it is as much now. And I think Godfather is a prospect, but I think that's just an age thing. I think that's a generational thing of how many people, you know, haven't even seen it or even know the lines from it.
1: Yeah,
0: I I tend to agree. Um... I don't think you have to see it though like i think there are people who know like hear these lines and they're like they don't even know like they don't know that it's fr- like you said they haven't seen the film but they know that line they're like oh i know that re- that's a reference to something like
1: yeah yeah I, honestly i i do think this is the movie that sets the standard for quotability it's it's this movie and we like so many people today re- like you said reference this movie and don't even know they're referencing this movie it's nice. nuts especially you know i'm the younger crowd it's like this is the standard for this film like i bet
3: a lot of the people my age probably haven't seen the godfather either
2: it's but just right. they're quoting
1: but
3: this this, this too. and even if they're not quoting this film directly they don't realize that you know, all this film was not remade and we'll talk about that later um but uh the basis of this film went on to be so many other films. A lot of storylines, as you know them, um, are based in this, right? Um, you know, and this wasn't even this wasn't you know Bar- Bogart's earliest work by any means. Um, Maltese Falcon is like ten years or eleven years before this. Um, you know, so this is kind of the the apex in not apex of his career because he certainly had you know African Queen and Sierra Madre and stuff like that afterwards, um, but uh, a lot of, a lot of, this is, this is, this is textbook. I mean, this is why, this is why, it, you know, when you're doing the whole film stuff and all that stuff, this is why it's an I- iconic movie because it, it set the benchmark for a lot of movies going forward. Whether you know, like to sound whether you know it or not, it's loaded well, back into this film.
0: Well, just to, to this point about not having seen the film, but hearing the lines, right? I knew these lines because I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original Jim Henson <laughs> production, 1990. <laughs> because Michelangelo's fucking in the trench coat and he's fucking doing the doing the Bogart bit with April yeah. O'Neil. Yeah. And I was like I don't like and everyone's like everyone's in the theater laughing and and everything and like and like like I'm laughing too like I don't even get it. Like but my parents got it, which was funny. Like they're like, "Oh, that's funny." And I'm like, "Well, what's like what is that?" And like, "Oh, it's Casablanca." Like that's that's Humphrey Bogart. And um and it's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I, even before I saw the film. And, and so when I saw the film for the first time in high school, Sam, like you were, we were in high school and we saw it for the first time. Like, it's like, oh shit, that's where this is from. Yeah, oh, my right. cow! Oh, yeah, like the true. entire film's like that. It's like, oh my gosh. And then you get to the end. And of course that, the last, the last line of the film is something that's also muttered too, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, I be, I think this is the beginning to, a, to, to. A I, I think the last line of the
3: film, by the way, has other than played against Sam, which, it's not said like that, but the last line of the film is actually, I think is what's carried on longer than anything. Cause it just seems to be a vernacular that people can use a little bit.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship and that, that, so I'll say this now, like this, that's why I think I, if you look at, if you watch the scenes with Raynaud and Rick throughout the film, like they have, they have a friendship, whether they want to admit it or not. Like they have a, they have a mutual respect for each other. They have a mutual connection, like even like even this line that we open the film, like we opened the Tonight Show with. When they're sitting outside of the bar, like Rick doesn't sit with anybody. He doesn't sit with any patron or anything like that. He gets the girl into the cab. He tells Sasha to come back. He pulls out his freaking you know sterling silver case of cigarettes. Pulls out one, and who's out there? It's Rayno. So who does he do? He sits with his buddy for a couple minutes yeah. before he gets back to work. And that's
1: outside where he's not having a drink with his customers. He's sitting outside with his buddies. Yeah. Kind of going off like movies interwoven into society. I think one of the only movies that has like an argument, I think Casablanca is the standard is maybe like the original star Wars in terms of just, I mean, that movie came out in the seventies. Right. And it is still the standard for like it was the first big sci-fi movie set mm-hmm. to stand. Yeah, quoted everywhere. Yeah. Even though you know people talk about the new movies, I I don't even know if they count. But like that's one of those movies that you will hear quotes from everywhere as well. It's
0: true. Yeah. No, I think yeah, especially like in the in the in the IP Marvel universe thing that's going on, and like with films today and everything like that, they still harken back. There's still Star Wars references even in those films too. So that's, I think that's a pretty good point. But like, like we say, when we say with like Star Wars and the Godfather, when those turn 80 years old, it'll be interesting to look back and say, hey, does that have, do those films have the impact on society the way that Casablanca, Casablanca had it on at this point in our lives, you know, 80 years after You got to wait,
3: what, like 30 something years for the
1: original
0: yeah. Star
3: Wars? Well, yeah. and let, 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 let's call it, let, let's quantify that even farther though. Star Wars is a franchise of nine movies, arguably spin-offs on top of that. Cost is one movie. Right. So, okay. So go, go with Gone with the Wind, go with uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, open the Pandora's house, all like that. But let's make sure we're measuring it against a single film, not a franchise where someone got, you know, some of people didn't see Star Wars, but they caught up on the second one. Now they ended up watching all of them. I and mean, this is a one film. There's no sequel. There's no prequel. There's nothing else.
1: That, that's a great point. And that, I mean, that's what sets Casablanca apart. Because like the other huge franchises or huge movies that I think of from, you know, the last 80 years When you got Star Wars, you got Indiana Jones, you got The Godfather.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are all three movies. Minimum three. Two thousands yep. where you get the other Star Wars movies. But yep. I mean those are trilogies mm-hmm. that we think about. Yep. And this is a standalone film that has been iconic for 80 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you look look at AFI's top one hundred, just because I took I look, I'm looking at it at a glance real quick. You have to get to number six before you have any kind of spinoff of any kind. So Citizen Kane, number one, Casablanca, two, Godfather. Well, actually, no. Oh, never mind. I'm staying corrected. Godfather had two other ones. So never mind. Scratch what I just said. So you get to you have to get to number three before there's any kind of before there's any kind of spinoff. So you can't even put mm-hmm. Godfather in that class either. You, it's Godfather and Star Wars are kind of in that scene because of I
3: think you, know. you could have if they didn't make the two Godfathers though. I mm-hmm. think that one still would have that one
2: still would have stuck.
1: You're right. Yeah. I, I don't think Star Wars does if Empire doesn't come
2: out. Mm-hmm. Really? I think I think so. I mean well yeah a, it was huge but Empire's a better
1: movie.
0: Well so Godfather. Oh by two, far by yeah.
1: far. So Godfather 2, that's true. But I think what Made Star Wars have this crazy staying power as they were able to tell this story over three minutes,
3: or nine, (laughs) or
0: nine. Yeah. Um, Shows now. So, um, and as always, I do have to. Do you have to think we are kind of already in the in the, the thick of everything but i do have to mention that this is tonight's major point we are talking about Casablanca, which is always brought to you by the people yes cigar people the people who know everything about a lifetime of service protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times well maybe it is but behind the fun is a motivation for service a motivation for giving back from the original protocol blue to the latest release in the lawman series uh, Phoebe Cousins protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about power of the P protocol, cigars. So we get we've we've done this with a couple of obviously we didn't do it too much with oceans 11 because it really it wasn't nominated for any Oscars. Um, but you think with a film like this, right? It just like runs away with Oscar wins and it didn't. It was nominated for eight, including Best Picture, which it won spoiler uh but it won three won three oscars and of course the first one was the best it won best picture um the other nominees that that year uh and this was 1944 by the way they actually skipped the Oscars because of the world this little thing called world war ii that was going on and that that's we'll talk about this as as it as it pertains to this to this awards ceremony so this was 1944 other nominees were from who the whom the bell tolls in which we serve their wartime film. Uh the human comedy, you know, with Mickey Rooney and Heaven Can Wait, which is also Heaven Can Wait's been made remade like five times including with Chris Rock in the ni- 1995 Down to Earth, which I actually like that film. Um but uh Heaven Can Wait I think's been made remade like four times, but this is the original in it. So, um def- for me definitely it is the best, but let's take this opportunity to talk about this and Sam you and I talked about when we watched it the other night together. But Fred, you kind of alluded to it, I think, in the green room as well. Actually, at, at the beginning, when you were talking about where this lands on your top list, like the, this, the the importance of when this film was released as it pertained to what was going around the, and the world at the time, you know, is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think you made a
3: good point, though. I was trying to think when you had talked about that, I was trying to think of something that came out that was impactful in current event time and. I think of movies that were impactful, but retroactively. Um, I think Ed Norton, American History X was a phenomenal film. But again, almost looking back a little bit, Deer Hunter was definitely another one. But it was looking it was it wasn't out when all that was going on. Right. I really couldn't think of I couldn't think of a movie that was out at the time of when all that was going on. I mean, obviously a lot of them alluded to what's going on because, you know, and we still have that today of of things in the background, but that was the core meaning of film and it was during all of that.
1: Yeah, I, I was looking at some of the dates of stuff that was happening in World War II when this was happening. so operation torch began on november 8th 1942 that's the allied invasion of africa sam's
0: getting ready for this week this this semester's course by the way this is why I am. you bring in a history teacher for the show. this is why we do it keep going keep going yes
1: so operation <laughs> Torch, november 8th 1942 this movie comes out november 26th like what is that i'm not a math teacher three weeks later <laughs> three weeks later yeah 3 weeks after the invasion of Africa, the US's first real involvement in Europe. This this movie comes out, which I think is fantastic and then it comes out coinciding with when Churchill and Roosevelt met in Casablanca. The last day of the conference in Casablanca. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the timing, unbelievable. But I like I was trying to think of another movie that came out like in the middle of the action. I I can't think of one. That came out with this kind of political messaging as this was going on in the world, much less the biggest conflict in world history.
0: And it was still subdued, too, because no, the word Nazis never the, the, doesn't come up. The word Nazi is not mentioned. Nazis is not mentioned anywhere in the film. In fact, the swastika is only seen once. Mm-hmm. It's Strasser's plane. And it's the it's the, the it's the fantail. It's the swastika it's they're referred to as the third reich or germany and the swastika is not present on any of the german uniforms probably this is just something to guess probably because conrad Veet, who was uh an exile from germany uh and many of the actors were uh were jewish refugees jewish, and, yeah and and, and and german exiles and german refugees probably didn't want to wear that even, even, even though they were acting. So that's right. probably just a hunch. I'm going to call that. I don't, I don't actually have any proof to back that up, but I think it's that's a fair, a it's a fair, fair take. It's a fair it's, take though. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Anything, anything else, Sam? Cause you're, I think you were rolling.
1: Um, I mean, that was like the main point. I mean, we'll get into the actors later. So I'm going to save some of the, some of like the historical stuff about some of these actors Yeah, and, like their journey to get to Actually, making this movie is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. So, like the emotional weight behind their performances is just unknown yeah. because, like, they experienced yeah we'll get, family yeah family members being thrown in concentration camps.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to to the actress here in just a second. But the other one of the other wins of the Oscars that year, 1944, was Best Director, Mark Michael Curtiz, who's Hungarian, by the way, and he he had left Hungary like well before. Europe had kind of mm-hmm. gone into disarray. So he wasn't, he wasn't in exile or anything like this, but this, this had to strike a chord with him. But what I really, I, I, I love him as a, as a director. He's directed some amazing, amazing films in his career, which is just, it's nuts to think about too. But um, the, uh, the impact that he had, like keeping like, like the, the performances that he got to make to move and make happen in this film is just some unreal, unreal, unreal performances. Uh, uh, It's it's just crazy. It's crazy. Um, Absolutely. And I think
1: one of the other nuances that I think a lot of people today miss because they don't know that much about World War II is like Vichy France was not really the good guys. No. France had two little, there's two faces to France. There's the resistance and there's Vichy France. And I mean, Vichy France was they kind of surrendered. They couldn't do anything. They yeah were working for <laughs> yeah exactly. Basically. like the British sailed down to the Mediterranean, and destroyed a French fleet. Like they, mm-hmm. there were bullets fired between the Allies and French troops. So that that kind of nuance it kind of shows in the film. And I think a lot of people miss
0: it. Well, then there's that exchange between Renault and Rick. He says when uh, when Renault accuses him of having the letters, he says, "Are you are you free French or, or Vichy?" Uh, and it's like the it's the it's probably the coldest and nastiest that Rick ever gets, and you know why? It's because he's talking to his friend. Just to circle back to that whole thing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um, so Curtis break. Curtis beats out, uh, Ernst Lubitsch, Clarence Brown, George Stevens, Henry King. Uh, Ernst Lubitsch did uh, uh, uh God the uh, shoot, I had it. Uh, it uh, for whom the bell tolls, so like it was like the for whom the bell tolls, uh, and like uh, Casablanca that that year were just kind of battling back and forth for different, different, uh, different, uh, different uh, Oscars and everything. But, uh, um, but here's a look at here's a look at just some of the highlights of Curtiz's, uh, His resume a little bit. So uh, he also did the Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn, another another pretty good film. Comancheros, John Wayne was one of his last films, early '60s. Yeah, that was, uh,
1: those were great movies of my childhood.
0: Yeah, uh, the Scarlet Hour. He actually, um, even though he's not credited with it, he actually has a uh, the 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 White White Christmas too. He did the remake of the jazz singer in '52. Uh, did the Jim Jim Thorpe biopic in '51. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he Passage to Marseille. That's the one that I've told you to watch, Sam. That we were talking about that night, 1944, just a couple of years after this one was done. He also did Yankee Doodle Dandy. How about that? But yeah, so I mean, some some pretty pretty well made, pretty well done films and stuff that, that he has on his resume, which is pretty crazy. So um, this is, I mean, going off a little off topic and everything, but Fred, I, I you know, I've, I've always wanted to ask you this, uh, we'll just go ahead and do it now. Like I, I doubt that he's, he's one of your top, but who who's your favorite director?
2: Um, God, that's so hard. I mean, Coppola is, is definitely up there. I like a lot of Quentin
3: Tarantino stuff. I like that Quentin Tarantino can just put everybody in one room. If you look at some of you know, you look at Hate Blade or you look at Resbar Dogs, and it's like all in one room that he's so heavy dialogue um, and maintains a level of suspense. Um, those two come to mind right out of the gate. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Lucas and Spielberg for different reasons. Um, but yeah, those, those would be a top four for me, probably, that I can think of offhand. So you're, you're Fritz Lang, you're- which I'm going I'm to bring up Fritz Lang earlier, I was going to bring him up earlier because we're, we're going to talk about Peter Lorre though but there's a movie called M, I think it's like 1930, 31 or something like that and it was Peter Lorre's like, I don't know, third or fourth movie because Peter Lorre's in a lot of movies um, mm-hmm. and he's just that kind of goofy, bug-eyed guy but um, there's a movie called M that I thought that was more interesting um, from a film school standpoint than, than even this was from a, from a cinematography standpoint Oh, um, definitely. So Fritz Lang was another one.
0: M is such a great film. I think it's so underrated. I'm 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 man. It like makes me totally nerd out that you mentioned that film, Fred. I love it. I love that, <laughs> I love that movie. I think I think Peter Laurie is a great, great actor, too. We're going to talk about him sure throughout this. But um, what about you, Sam? What, what's your favorite director? Are you or is it Lucas? I'm guessing it's got to be Lucas, right? Oh, man,
1: I don't know if it's Lucas, man. It's Peter Jackson? That's a it's a hard question. I mean Peter Jackson in Lord of the Rings is, is perfection, but the Hobbit,
0: not perfection. Kind of takes him down a little bit. But <laughs> he, he was he was number one until he did the Hobbit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was hyped <laughs> for the Hobbit too. When I came out, I was like, oh my God, more Lord of the Rings content. Um and it's hard to pick against Spielberg and not put him in the top in the top few with, you know, Saving Private Ryan, the Indiana Jones yeah. franchise with Lucas. Oh, man. I mean, Coppola, another one with The Godfather. Man, I don't, I don't know. That's I have not thought about my list of top directors. Um, that's a great question.
0: One of my favorite underrated ones, at least in the last quarter, uh, well, I guess it's more than a quarter century now, probably the last 30 years is Catherine Bigelow. She did everything from the. She did the Hurt Locker, and then she did like early on in her career. She did Point Break. Yeah.
1: yeah. Another another one, Ridley Scott, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you get Gladiator, Black Hawk Down. You go into. I mean, I'm really curious how the new Napoleon movie is going to be.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm. Oh God, I'm going to fucking see it, and I. I just. I'm terrified, man. Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor, though. Like, I don't want to take away from it. It's just, I don't know. It. I want to see how they shoot it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm curious I, how they're going to tell his whole life in the movie.
1: Yeah, it starts it's, with him as a young man, and I'm sure it ends at Waterloo. But it, I think I'm really curious about that one. But Ridley Scott, I would put in the conversation for one of my favorites. Just, I love like three, four of his movies obviously
3: we both have a love for gladiator bear
2: yeah no absolutely
0: ridley scott's pretty baller too so
3: i throw i throw james cameron in that. if you're going to say ridley scott then i'll throw james cameron in there too not necessarily i I, do i think all of his movies are the best but i think from a directing standpoint he's strong
2: were you a titanic fan Fred? um
3: not really it's not my kind of movie but um it was it was done well
0: yeah, I've come. <clears throat> I used to hate it. I still, I'm not a fan of it by any stretch, but I'm not a, I, I gotta say, I'm
3: not a DiCaprio fan yet. I like a lot of the movies in, he's in, but I'm not a huge fan of his. And I don't have anything to say why. It's just something about him. I mean, even in Bank in of New York, which I think is a phenomenal movie, I'm looking at everybody else that makes that movie phenomenal than him. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with what he does. <laughs>
0: I I like him latter in life, but yeah, this Titanic was the thing that made me hate him, and I just didn't like anything he did. Mm. Like up until that point, and then like The Departed was the thing that turned me around on DiCaprio. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah, holy shit! Like,
1: man, and another then, movie with a great cast.
0: Yeah,
3: and he's really good. In arguably Diamond. one, of, arguably one of the best guys. I mean, yeah, the, the lineup in that movie is yeah, The
0: Departed is phenomenal. fucking awesome. Yeah. As far as quotable films, my brother and I go, we trade departed lines like all the time. So, not to go too out, to go back too far in the, the, the show, it, but it's also hard to find another guy who would play
1: Jordan Belfort better in Wolf of Wall Street than DiCaprio. He,
3: I, I, will, I will give you that. I will, I will give you that. He absolutely kills it in that. Yeah, I, he, I will, he, I'll give he you core, that. He crushed sure. that role. That was that's, a good, that's a good point. That's a good point.
1: No, that's a movie I watch, and I sort of feel like a worse person after watching that movie. Oh, God, yeah. But he
0: crushes it. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to take a shower after that film, or several. It's
3: funny, because I met Jordan Belfort like about 20 years ago. or Holy shit. Long ago now. And um, man, I asked him about the film, because I'm sure everybody does. And he said, it's not even like a hundredth of the shit they did. And i i said i said so any regrets he says he, he has zero regret for what he for what, what he went
2: through what he
0: did <laughs> oh, i'm sure he doesn't i'm sure he doesn't that's crazy god man i can't believe you've met him that's so nuts yeah that's so crazy small world i think he like tours around and speaks now
3: oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah on sales or something, because he's not allowed to do any stock whatsoever. Um, but he uh he, yeah, he's like a I don't know if it's a motivational speaker. He
0: teaches like sales teams or something like that, you know. Yeah, sell me this pen. Um yeah, but speaking yeah. of speaking of performances, to bring it back to Casablanca, this this is this is probably the two biggest crowd tra- tra- tragedies. Claude Rains and Humphrey Bogart, both nominated, best actor and best supporting actor, both lose. Yeah. So Bogart's up against Mickey Rooney, in the Human Comedy, Walter Pigeon, Gary Cooper, and they all lose to Paul Lucas, of Watch on the Rhine, another wartime film. Um, but Bogart not winning is probably the that's just shit, man. That's terrible. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even know how else to say it. Like it's just an awful take. Like I don't.
3: I mean. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's not Bogart's best to me. No, it's I not. I mean, if you, if no. you talk, I, I okay. mean, you know, I mean, you know, uh, again, <laughs> this little <to> guy, <laughs> Sabrina. I mean, who knew that the dude had like a sense of humor? Sabrina is an awesome movie and it shows more of his range, but yeah. Um, I I didn't,
2: I, I, there's a lot
3: of, lot of the awards that's one that I'm like, okay, I mean, um. I mean, Mickey, I think deserved it also. So I, I think that was kind of a toss-up on there.
0: Yeah, Walter Pigeon and Madame Curie too is also a really good role. Mickey Rooney, The Human Comedy, but Gary Cooper and Who the Bell Tolls, which is a great film. Which I like, I was saying earlier, from Whom the Bell Tolls and Casablanca go head-to-head <laughs> head in this this award, uh, the, the Oscars that year. Actor in supporting role, Claude Rains is up against J. Carroll Naish of Sahara, Akeem Terraman, uh Tamirnov, From Whom the Bell Tolls, Charles Bickford, The Song of Bern- Bernadette, and they all lose to Charles Coburn of The
2: More the Merrier.
0: Have you seen any of those films, Sam? No. From Whom the mm-hmm. Bell Tolls is really good. You need to see that one.
3: For Whom the Bell Tolls is good. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, uh, I did see, uh, the one that he won in but um i don't remember the other one i don't i don't remember yeah it.
0: i've seen the more of the merrier i've seen the song of bernie i never saw um uh, i've seen sahara for that okay yeah i guess i have seen all of them
1: um and that just it shows what aged
0: yeah well that's the that's the thing about the oscars too like i love doing this because in retrospect like some of it some of the ages really like some of them like the right person won or the right film won, and sometimes it's like a total mess like a total mess but um, well, yeah, we we have that now. We have we have
3: ones that you know, Denzel I mean, Washington not winning for Man on Fire was just crazy to me. Oh God, um, yeah, you know. So I mean, there's always there's always something. That's just like are you kidding me? I mean, I, look, I'm I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, what was it? Barbara Streisand wasn't even nominated when the film was nominated for like 20 awards, including Best Picture.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
3: remember, I remember that year Billy Crystal was doing the hosting and he did some song and dancing in the beginning and he, he made made joke of. You know, whatever it was, number of nominations, and what do they think the film directed itself? Because Barbara Streisand was was shunned on there and wasn't given the Best Director not, uh, you know, even a nomination. Yeah,
0: I'm not a Streisand fan either, but that was ridiculous that she wasn't. So we mentioned uh, Curtis wins for Best Director. The other winning was screenplay. Right? We talked about this is this is being written on the fly by the Epstein brothers, uh, Julius and Philip, not to be consumed, uh, con- you know, confused with uh, Jeffrey Epstein, who did not kill himself. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Howard Koch Mm -hmm. uh, as well as given a written writer's credit too so uh, best writing for a screenplay it's nominated for best cinematography black and white this is when they actually had two categories black and white and color Arthur Edison he loses which I think is a crying shame because I think it's incredibly well shot I think it's like this is probably where Gordon Willis probably got a lot of his inspiration for The Godfather just the lighting and how people are lit it's mm-hmm. pretty it's pretty crazy uh sam and i were talking about this when we watched it the other day fred you realize that like ingrid burman is only she's only shown she's only shot from her left side like almost exclusively through the entire film because that's quote unquote her now, best I mean, side. now that
3: you mentioned it i realized that when i think of the most
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, best music nominated max steiner who hated the song Max Steiner nobody, hated Nobody, liked, song. nobody wanted Max it. They, they,
3: would, they would have redone it, except that Ingrid Bergen was onto another part and it had already cut her hair. Right. So they could not, they could not reshoot. it. They wanted that thong out so
0: bad. Yeah. Max Steiner, who's also a German refugee, escaped, uh, escaped uh, Nazi, Nazi persecution. Probably because he was an artist. I don't think he's Jewish. He might have been. I, I'd have to look that up. But yeah, he was nominated for best scoring a dramatic or comedy picture. But that was really it. They, they, so they lose. He lose. They lose in music. They lose in film editing. Owen Marks. They lose in cinematography, which is just a shame. But they win screenplay, which thank God that age that age fantastically. We talked about how quotable this film is. That age no. that in, aged insanely well. So that's really great. Yeah. So to give it
3: to him retroactively if had it not
0: won. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> Just on that premise alone. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we've talked a lot about characters throughout this, and we haven't gone like, we've mentioned Bergman once. We've mentioned Claude Rains, no, Of course, Rick. I mean, but there's so many great actors in this film who play just incredible parts. You know, Peter Lorre, who plays Ugati. We mentioned him a couple times. Uh, Sidney Greenstreet, who, he wasn't, he didn't even appear in film until the Maltese Falcon. You referenced that earlier, Fred. Um, but he plays Senor Ferrari in this. Uh, S.C. Sical, uh or uh, I think he was credited as S.K. Sical at the time. He plays Carl. Great. Another uh, another another theater actor. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: He was one of those special ones that he was a Jewish refugee fled Germany and he had three sisters die in concentration camps. Yeah. You talk about the emotional impact
0: of making this movie after that. Yeah, no joke. Talked about Conrad Veit and plays Heinrich Strasser. Paul Reed Victor Laszlo, who has probably some of the like the least impactful lines, but he's got a couple of good ones here and there. Um, and I think his, I think it's good though that his his role, like his importance as a character, like the they, the way that they they put him on a pedestal throughout the film it's good that he doesn't steal the scene Mm -hmm. i think that was really smart and he's a he's a brilliant actor ingrid bergman of course he's just absolutely okay listen we're all married men here like but hey is is there a better looking woman in film
2: can anyone name someone that like looks
0: better than freaking Ingrid Bergman in this film?
2: Now, I haven't seen a right
3: side, but... Left- <laughs> a fair point, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Probably know that's messed up. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know she was taller than Bogart? Yes. They did the... They, they had to like, put Bogart... They, they they put Bogart on block. She's like two inches taller than him in real life. So they, they had Bogart on the classic Tom Cruise blocks a lot of the time.
0: That's why she's slouching on the couch half the time when she's like being nestled in his arms and stuff. And he's like all propped mm-hmm. up and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't think of I can't think of anyone anyway. like, I mean, there's been some stunners in Hollywood, right? And they've with like really classical, beautiful roles. Like, you know, like even Vivian Lee and Scarlett O'Hare, I think uh, Scarlett O'Hare, I think is she's I think she's absolutely gorgeous and stunning. Elizabeth Taylor in some of her roles. I was gonna
3: on. say Elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor,
0: if you go early on, yeah. But Man, I mean, just I, I go back to Claude Reigns' line, you know, like uh, I was told that you were the most beautiful woman to ever visit Casablanca. That was a gross, under, a gross understatement. What a fucking charmer, dude. What a French guy with the balls on that guy, too, right in front of her right in front of her husband. I have to say, like, that's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, he does some slimy
1: stuff in this movie, too.
0: Oh, yeah. He's a total jerk <laughs> Fucking love it though. Live for that shit. So that's great. Um,
2: anyone that I'm missing, like on as far as like, as far as the cast or as far as, 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 far as no, as far as the cast. Oh. Well, Peter Laurie. I mean, we kind of
3: talked Peter about it a little bit earlier, but yeah. Well, you know,
0: let's talk about Peter Laurie a little bit more because, like, I think like it, it, he's he's on like is. He, he is fucking throwing hundred miles an hour for like the five minutes that he's in this film. And he's just, he, he, he freaking goes toe to toe with Bogart and just fucking yeah. do, like, he's just dominates the scene. It's so great. Like he's got that line that when, when,
3: uh, when Peter Laurie gives him the papers, and and he wants Rick to hold the papers and he says like Rick you know you, you, I have a lot of friends in Casablanca but somehow because you despise me I trust you're the only one I trust, I trust. or something like that
0: <laughs> yeah and just, oh god and when he says he's like hey I heard a rumor that when Bogart says I, I heard a rumor that the two German couriers were holding letters of transit and just the fucking slimy look that he oh. has on his face he says yeah. oh poor devils and just like oh Oh, you bastard. It's fucking great. You killed the Nazis and you're a fucking hero. Oh, man. Love it. This little, mm. this little slimy freaking golem character. There's a reference for you, Sam. Fucking <laughs> took one to Hitler, dude. <laughs> just, and you get, you get in that,
3: you get in that exchange that Bogart all of a sudden has more respect for him.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I am a little more impressed with you. Like, it's just, mm. oh, oh, it's, it's just, it's such a, it's such a great exchange. Like, like as much as I love, as much as I love the Renault, Rick, you know, dialogues and stuff like mm. Peter Laurie is just absolutely fucking sensational in the five minutes that he's in this film. It is funny, though,
3: that, that, that the, the core theme of this thing with the whole letters of transit, there was no such thing as letters of transit. And it's not like the Germans would have listened, you know, cared about it anyway. Yeah. But there was that wasn't a thing. Right. Yet it's, it's so entrenched in this film.
0: Yeah, signed by General de Gaulle. Like the fucking Nazis care about that. <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, we're gonna get. We're gonna get to Sydney. Uh, Sydney Greenstreet's a fantastic actor, and he's and he's and he's good in this film. Don't get me wrong, but we're gonna get we're gonna get to his part later for me at least. Uh, but Dooley Wilson playing Sam. Um, I I I love him and Sakal, who plays Carl as a vessel throughout this film just like how they kind of carry the scene along they move the scene along um but it's um that just really really good stuff the uh um the other the the other actress who's well, actually there's two other actresses that i think are quite we were talking about Ingrid Bergman any other any other film if Bergman's not in this like Madeline LeBeau who plays Yvonne you know the 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 lady that Rick basically throws away She, she freaking dominates the screen and any other film that she's in. She,
3: she really, she really does. I mean, her screen presence is really strong and I know it's, it's, it's a small part of, you know, who Rick's obviously been involved with, but is not anymore. And I love Renault's line. When he's saying, when she's throwing her out and basically says, you know, how extravagant you are, you know, throwing away women like that. Someday they may be scared. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, but, but she, she, I mean, for so, if you talk about an impact and, you know,
0: just commanded the screen whenever she was on it, she was, she was strong. Yeah. Well, no, the, uh, you go back and watch it, like the first, like I said, like the first few times you see the film and it, it, the scene's very powerful and you're, you're, you're fixated on the fact that, that that Henri, you know, Laszlo is is directing the band, playing the French national anthem. And yeah. um you're that's that's the first few times you see it, that's what you're focused on. But like the tears, Yvonne's tears are real. And like a lot of the actors there are are are, are they refugees, right? So that like that that emotionality mm-hmm. is so real in that scene. And her tears like every like I every time I watch it now and I watch her and I just that that seems really emotional for me because it's um yeah it's she's 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 brilliant in that and that i mean that wasn't really can't say hey that was brilliant acting because it wasn't for her but i mean it's just a powerful powerful scene by her yeah. so really really good stuff so um i uh yeah we'll, we'll talk about carl i i fucking love carl i think i think you know, we talked about him, he's a, you know, he lost families, members in concentration camps and stuff, but his character is so comical. Um, You know, he tells Rick, he's like, you're becoming your own best customer when he serves him another bottle, you know, after he's like getting fucking wasted on, on the clock and stuff, which is great. And uh when, after he saves the couple and he goes to the bar and Carl tries to take the drink away from him <laughs> and he's, he yeah. just kind of slides <laughs> it back across the bar. He's like, it just, he's, He's great. The like, hey, the guy comes up to him and he's like, is this is this place honest? He's like, honest? Honest as the day is long. Yeah. And this freaking glasses fall off his face and stuff. He's just, he's, he's great. The he's actually the first person. If you don't count Julie Wilson singing, he's the first person that speaks when we go into Rick's Cafe Bar American. Cause he talks about Ooh. he's he says that he says he talks about how Rick doesn't drink with customers. And that whole that whole mm-hmm. scene like what makes an innkeeper so snobbish and he's like he's i've never seen it he's like he's like what you know what if you told him i was the the i had the i ran the second largest banking house in amsterdam he's like that wouldn't impress rick he's like the leading banker in amsterdam is now the pastry chef in our kitchen and his yeah. father and his father's the bellboy and hey they just get a they just get a huge kick out of that so um but I, I, I just, I fucking love Carl. I think he's, I think he's just, he's such a great, he's such a great character in this film. Any Anyone else, like any other characters that really stood out to you guys that you really liked?
1: Well, but before we get off of Carl, the other scene I love with them is when they're like, oh, will you join us? You know, we're celebrating. We're going off to America. Mm-hmm. I thought you might ask, but I brought the good brandy.
2: And a <laughs> third glass. He pulls it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that whole dialogue too. Like they, they, It's funny because they go from speaking English perfectly because it's part of the script to not speaking it perfectly. And it's that that seems just such a wreck, but it's funny. It works. It seems like you'll fit right in. (laughs) Yeah, you'll fit right in. Um, Here's an interesting little tidbit to uh, the pickpocket, Kurt Boyce. He is actually uh, has. More credits and has I think he owns the record For the longest career in Hollywood He wow. He did silent Era films as a child actor And worked all the way To the
2: 1980s Wow Yeah Well I, I read as well that he also fled Jewish
1: persecution hmm he was another yeah. one of the guys that was a German refugee.
0: Actually, he all the way he went all the way up to 1990s. His last credit is 1993.
2: That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's insane.
0: And a lot of them are foreign films and stuff too. But like he goes, uh, his first, first credit. his last credit is 1993. His first credit is 1907.
2: <laughs> wow that's crazy
0: 83 years a German short film in 1907 that's
1: nuts I, th- I think another one we haven't really talked about uh, Julie Wilson like, what, one of my favorite scenes with him in this movie is when Rick is just hammered waiting for um, Ilsa to come back he's like why don't we just get out of here you know let's, let's go get drunk we'll go
0: fishing <laughs> Yeah we'll get fishing we'll get drunk we'll drive all night like sam he's already drunk <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: when uh ferrari tries to buy him he's like he'll pay you'll he'll pay you double what i pay he's like i don't have time to spend the money i make here
2: yeah yeah
0: One of my one of my nit one of my nitpicks though is, is Sam's loyalty though. We'll talk about that here in a little bit though. Um, but yeah, just I I love I love the characters in this film. I think I think the fact that it won Best Writing is 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 absolutely perfect because I think every character nails their lines, <laughs> like just absolutely crushes it. Like it's just it's just a fantastic, really well done, blocked everything. Um, just really insane, good stuff stuff um all right cool well um that will bring us up to some of our fun segments uh for the evening which of course are always we'll kick things off with our united cigars presidential trivia segment which is always brought to you by united cigars um i
2: feel like the pressure
1: is
0: on me
2: yeah well i'm not
3: i'm not a history teacher so i, don't, I feel a little better to getting uh, when it, when it no it's multiple choice
0: tried. it's always multiple choice everywhere of course the united cigars. i know and i still get it i still get it wrong the united <laughs> cigars trivia segment is always brought to you by united cigars featuring Logia distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo the firecracker and the highly acclaimed out byron and now alfonso lines from selected tobacco smoke one okay. today and start living united yes all right so here we go multiple choice The question is, is which U.S. president's favorite film was Casablanca? Was it A, Dwight D. Eisenhower?
2: B, Bill Clinton? C, Barack Obama? Or D, Donald Trump? Yeah, that's tough. Because I feel like Eisenhower was... Serving when this movie came out, I don't think Obama was alive when this movie came out. Yeah, but it's been around eighty years too. I'm not trying to check you guys up, but I'm I'm there's a
3: connection, and I don't know if it's Casablanca, but I know Trump came out and named a classic as being his favorite. I don't think it was Casablanca but I'm going to pick Trump and I, and I don't remember the film that it was, but if it's not, then I'm wrong. So I'm going to say, I'm going to
2: say it was Trump. He, he named it. He named a really cool film. So I'm going to say Trump. And so Obama, Clinton, Trump or Eisenhower. Sam, man, you know, I feel like I don't think it's Clinton the most. So I'm going to go with Clinton.
3: Yeah, I like it.
0: It is Bill Clinton. Yes! (laughs) Wow! It is Bill Clinton. So Trump did name a very iconic film. We talked about it earlier. Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. Okay. All right. I knew he named
3: one back then. Okay.
0: He named a few. He said the Citizen Kane, The Gone with the Wind was another classic one that he really liked. The Godfather, the Good, okay. Bad, the Ugly, Goodfellas. Those are some of his that he mentioned uh during the 1920, okay. the 2016 presidential campaign. Barack Obama's favorite films are The Godfathers, part one and two. And he's a smart man because he didn't name Godfather Three. Thank God. Uh, uh hey, the have named some pretty iconic films. So yeah. Yeah, I'll give yeah. them regardless
1: Jordan. of anybody's political beliefs. George
0: george w is a man after my own heart though because field of dreams is his number one film and that's not that's my favorite film of all time oh but it's baseball so uh but bill clinton uh casablanca high noon was another favorite but bill clinton's high noon is actually the favorite of a lot of presidents in uh including uh ronald reagan jfk I was gonna
3: say reagan was yeah
0: yeah love love they loved high noon
3: um so reagan reagan was one of the names thrown around to play Bogart's part right yeah they never offered it to him but he was one of the names thrown around
0: god what a different film that would have been interesting so i think he could have done it i think so i think so i think he could have i don't think it would have been like one of these things like gosh that was you know really 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 miscast or anything like that yeah um he also really liked The Sound of Music, apparently. Uh, a controversial pick. Uh, how about this? Jimmy Carter's favorite films were All the President's Men and Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, one of the most controversial films of all time. Wow. And was, okay. And All the President's Men. What a dig. What a dig to the other party, man. <laughs> True Democrat. Jimmy Carter. Wait, so do do we know Eisenhower's? Did he ever mention him? Um I think I had it written down. Let me check. I don't know if he mentioned anything. Oh no, he was a high noon guy too. He was oh, a high what? noon high noon. Yeah, high noon. The Western So Yeah. yeah. You uh oh, Tru- Truman was my darling Clementine. Mm. That was the earliest one I could find. Speaking
1: of uh, Truman, have you guys seen Oppenheimer? No, I need
0: to. Yeah. Oh, have man. you seen it? Have you seen it yet?
2: Yes. Gary Oldman is Truman. He hits a- Gary Oldman is is quickly
3: becoming one of the best actors. Um, I've always said, said it was Daniel Day-Lewis. He's the one you always forget because he's just iconic in every role he plays. But I can say Gary Oldman is probably, I mean, Right now, I mean, it was always for me, it was it was Daniel Day Lewis and Gary Allman right behind it. But I got to tell you, I don't know how many more film credits Gary Allman needs for me to just say, you know what, he, he, he gets to be the goat.
2: And we got like three minutes of screen time in not and he is money. That's
0: awesome. I love when actors do that, man, when they just like come in like Pierre Laurie in this one, like he just fucking throws heat for like the three minutes they're in a film. It's just incredible. You know what I learned this week? Speaking of actors that did roles in there,
3: uh, Dustin Hoffman's in Star Wars. What? Uncredited. Uncredited. I went and, ver- I went and looked at it and verified it, and I went through the screenshots of it, and I, I think it's him. Uh, it's a scene when Darth Vader comes into where Princess Leia is um, imprisoned. And the stormtrooper to the right is not wearing a helmet. And if you zoom in on it, it looks like Dustin Hoffman. And supposedly he was a fan and he was there and he asked if he could be in it. And supposedly that's him. Um, so I learned that like literally like last week. Holy shit. And I, I'm like, there's no way. I went and looked. And I went and looked. And I looked at it, and I looked at the screenshot that a guy had on and stuff like that. And I'm like, I, th-
2: I think it might be him.
0: That's fucking crazy. Holy shit.
2: You're the Star Wars fan. Did you know that, Sam? I, I, did not, I did not know Fred was this big of a Star Wars fan.
3: Oh, huge. Huge. Well, my, uh, one no, of my five movie Dustin posters was in my, in, my yeah. office you know, yeah. is uh, Revenge of the Jedi. I actually got a hold of the Revenge of the Jedi poster before they destroyed him while I'm chasing him to return. So that's my, that's, my, that's my iconic poster right there.
0: I remember you talking about that, Fred, that you have the, you have the original poster, the Revenge, as opposed to the Return. That's yeah. crazy. Oh man. Awesome. Um well, that was our president. we don't have enough hours to do
3: a Star Wars episode just for the record. Let's just put that out there right now. Yeah, so. probably <laughs> not
1: that That would be like what we're doing with the Lord of the Rings, where it's three different episodes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that are yeah. As yeah long as the extended editions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that was our, our presidential trivia segment sponsored by United Cigars, featuring La of Havana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero Grofflo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabe Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Uh we're going to keep the charity segment. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, on. Dave, I'm oh for four on this game, I think now. So <laughs> <laughs> um our charity segment's gonna be a little brief tonight, guys. I um I'm going to harken back to my uh, my colleague Coop for this. So, uh, we're going to we're going to raise uh, some a spotlight and put it back on Sepsis Alliance, uh, which is an amazing organization that spotlights uh, just how uh how uh, incredibly important a- in education and information about sepsis is. Um, you know, it's it's one of the most widespread things that happens to uh for people who die in hospitals. Um and it's uh come up pretty personally for me uh recently um I won't go into too much detail at this time but it's something that I definitely want to spotlight again and uh, thanks to Coop for always bringing up this incredible organization and the incredible work that Coop does now with that he's kind of partnered with them for long like long term just you know he's obviously had well documented case of sepsis and he's talked about it on numerous shows and stuff so uh check out sepsis alliance uh and website, you can learn a lot more about why this is such an important issue. Uh, if you feel free, please, please, please—it's not one of the largest nonprofits out there. Um, they rely heavily on very small donations from people, uh, and uh, you know the the people that run the organization—you know—will actually reach out to you if you donate to, which is you know pretty remarkable because they 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 really are grateful for for all the efforts. So check out the the Substance Alliance. And uh, if you feel called, please, please, please make a donation. It's an incredible organization. So uh, thanks, Coop, as always, uh, for bringing that up to us. And uh, that's uh, who we'll be spotlighting tonight. So um, let's. Uh, Move on to another fun segment too. This is one of our new ones. I don't think either one of you guys have taken part in. This is uh, our everybody eats segment sponsored by Pastani Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastani Cigars is more than just good, cool, great cigars made by cool people and they uh, they embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Pastania. Everybody eats. So normally I have a set number of questions for this, but I wanted to do something special tonight. So Rick's place is called Rick's Cafe Bar American. And cafe, when I think of cafe, I think of food. There's only one reference to food when people are actually in this place. The only, the only thing that people are doing are just drinking and singing. And yeah, just buying, caviar. Buying, yeah, buying illegal... The, the Okay, two references, the caviar. And when Carl says in the opening scene, too, when he says the sec, the... the This, the leading house of uh, the banker who the leading house of Amsterdam is our now our pastry chef in our kitchen. So, but I don't see anybody eating except for Strasser, caviar. It's crazy. I don't know that
3: we see him. He or he orders it. They order it with the champagne. uh, But I don't know if we actually see it served or not. Now that I think about it.
0: No, he yeah, eats it. He takes yeah. a bite. He takes a bite when he says he when when Renault says, see, you don't have to worry about Rick. And he's like, perhaps. I and mean, that's when he takes a bite of whatever. Oh, right, right. Okay. Caviar. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. Some cafe. But yeah. but Rick does mention this, like it says it several times. Like it's referenced as Rick's Bar American. Or Cafe, excuse me, Cafe American. It he referenced himself, he references himself as a saloon keeper. He calls it a saloon several times. Throughout the mm-hmm. film, which is interesting. I, when you think of saloons, you think of the Old West, and so it's like this really, I don't know. I mean,
1: there is a shooting in the cafe. Yes, right, That's exactly. Cool.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: I yeah. love how Rick just kind of bring like one glass kind of topples over on a table. He's like, "I'm sorry for the disturbance, folks." He just yeah. casually fixes yeah. the glass. He's like, "Go back to having fun, please spend money." Um.
1: <laughs> and then he's like Sam, and he starts playing the piano again.
0: Yeah yeah yep. on, keep playing um which back told, about your business told throwback to the old West too like hey just keep playing keep playing <laughs> yeah make sure everyone's happy um i I I I wanted to use this kind of segment to talk about the the overall look and feel of it because the original play was actually set entirely at Rick's like this like the entire the entire play is actually done in this one place um but I have to imagine like like as much as this is the 1940s and like we're just coming out of the great depression you know it ricks is a very much a throwback to me for me it seems like to very much it has a very roaring 20s vibe i don't know how you guys felt about it
1: it does it even has yeah. like that yeah almost like prohibition vibe with like the mm-hmm. game in the back and you know when yeah. it was- you no, know, shuts it down. He's like, I'm shocked, shocked to find the gambling is going on. In the yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's sir, your winnings. Here's your winnings. <laughs> oh, thank oh, you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It does have this, you know, roaring twenties vibe, or you know, champagne, caviar. You know, women mm-hmm. are out. You know, drinking with the men. Um, you know, which didn't always happen back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like your reference to the twenties
0: well like i mean yeah is there is there a more gatsby-esque type character than 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 rick really he's just like man like i mean we get this peek inside his character right like we we understand him but like for everyone else he's this 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 international man literally this international man of mystery for everybody in the film Mm -hmm. like nobody really gets him and -hmm. understands so right It's just like they like casually
1: reference it's like oh you You know, fought against the fascists in the Spanish Civil War. It's
2: like, who is this guy? Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Yeah, yeah. They do, they do a lot of unveiling. Ah. We're
0: we're gonna get into this in nitpicks a little bit, but like, yeah, if this guy is like really as internationally wanted as like pretty much as Laszlo, like, why the fuck is he not arrested? Like, I don't know. It's yeah, it's one of those those interesting things and stuff, but um. So, Sam, I was trying to look this up hastily because I, 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 I admit I didn't get to it uh, because I was trying to get everything else kind of hammered out for tonight's show and stuff. Do you know what he's talking about? And I, I, I've never looked it up. This is, this, is, this is, God, one of my most embarrassing moments here because I'm such a history buff, too. He ran guns to Ethiopia for, for what? Like, Oh, that's a great question. I don't actually know. See, this is where we need, we need Nick Melillo you know, the international, you know, like, <laughs> the, the foremost do. authority on Ethiopian history. He'd probably be able to tell us. Um, it might have been when they like overthrew the crown at that point, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. But apparently know. the, apparently the winning side would have paid Rick a lot more is, is what we learned. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, he was, it was never on the winning side. He was never on the winning side. Always on the
2: underdog. Um, so,
0: um, All right. Well, that was our Everybody Eats segment sponsored by Postaña Cigars. If you always make sure that your your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postaña Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Postaña, everybody eats um so another segment here too is our of course our asylum moment refuge is more than just a physical place it can be a state of mind some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum moments like these are made for asylum cigars so light of an asylum and choose your refuge so um last time I had you guys on we did a little throwback um
2: of like, or two, like, what like, what are your favorite movies to like
0: watch alone? Um, and I asked that last time for you guys. Like, I, I want to flip this, even though this is typically about a moment of solitude. Like, I, I wanted to kind of throw this back because, like, this was like a like killer Friday night for, for for Sam and I. Like, we we fucking got together a few months ago and like watched this on a Friday night. Yeah, we were. Your wife was at like some fucking cool-ass concert, and, like, we're just two dudes, like, hanging out in the backyard watching <laughs> fucking Casablanca. What yeah. what concert did she go to? Brooks and Dunn, right? Oh, yeah, she was at Brooks yeah, and Dunn. She, she was at Brooks and Dunn, yeah. And, yeah, Sam and I are just fucking watching Casablanca and everything. But, what, <laughs> so I wanted to change it up, and usually this is about being alone and everything, but, like, what's a what's a film that you remember watch it doesn't have to be your significant other but watching we could have been like a group of guys or or a group of people or that you weren't actually watching alone it like made the experience so much better you can you guys uh, think of any that come
2: to mind
3: that is a great question be- because of the group you're with watching it or just yeah yeah
0: it? yeah yeah exactly that's what i'm saying <laughs>
2: hmm. Says, I did not even get that. Can you try again? Um, I mean, I when when the Indiana
3: Jones movies came out, when the sequels came out, I was literally that geek that was waiting in line overnight to see the movie with a bunch of friends. So that's probably one that just the anticipation of it. Same thing with some of the Star Wars films. Just the anticipation of it. Um, you know, waiting all night, just camping all night to, you know. Be in line to see the film you know when they opened up the next morning so that's probably the, that's the only one I can think of offhand that whole experience and just you know getting to finally see the movies
2: and that, that's the only one I can think of um,
0: I'm sorry you cut out right when you said the film what was the movie Fred
2: uh, it was
3: Xenia Jones movies. the sequels yeah. waiting you know overnight to see those yeah I mean, I would...
2: those are waiting overnight to see <laughs>
0: yeah I I, I, I have to admit, like, I watched them as a as a kid, uh, but obviously they had come out. Well, the last couple didn't come out and stuff until, I, you know, I was a little bit older and stuff. I did see uh, The Last Crusade in theaters. Um, I, I think it was too young for me to actually recognize, like, the impact it was. Like, I mean, it was they were they were huge, right, Fred? Like. I mean, they were just as big as the they, they were.
3: I mean, the, the, well, the, the first one, especially because no one had seen anything like it. I mean, as far as just an action, if you went out and, you know, got more popcorn, came back in, you missed an entire country, you know, especially the first movie. Um, but yeah, they, they were big. I mean, Star Wars were big, you know, when Star Wars after the first one, I mean, just, you know, when sequels came out, those were huge. Um, I can't think of anything that that drew that much attention as those two those two sets of
0: movies did. Yeah, I, Sam. We'll get to yours in just a second, but yeah, I think that's a really good observation. Like, I mean, COVID has killed a lot of movie going. It's I feel like it's starting to pick back up again in theaters and stuff. I want to say the last, you know, the, the 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 movie that just came out, Top Gun, you know, Maverick, is probably the mm-hmm. only one that I can think of that people were like genuinely excited to see in like the last twenty years. Like, even the like the Marvel ones as they keep getting bigger and bigger and stuff. Like. I think people were going to them like it was like, hey, I'm going to go see that film. But it was like no one was like waiting. To go to like a midnight screening, like I remember doing the midnight screening of like Two Towers. I remember doing the midnight mm-hmm. screen of like um, a couple other films, too, in my like late teens and early 20s. But that just seemed to kind of like die. And I can't, but I can't think of anything like that had, that's probably had the significance that like the Indiana Jones films did or what I'm sure like the Star Wars were and stuff like that. I mean, can you guys think of any? They were like, holy shit, I am like, I'm waiting in line. I'm going to see this at midnight.
1: I, I honestly don't think so. I was one of the guys who saw Avengers Infinity War the day of that midnight first day. And it was nuts. And that was one I remember because big group of us went to go see it. And it was like an experience because we all got to go see it together. Um, that was one. But nothing like to that scale. I, I've got a couple of pics for my, my movie I saw with friends. But I mean, I don't think anything as recent has been to the scale of like those Star Wars premieres that you, you see footage of today of the people waiting in line for hours and hours.
0: We yeah. didn't. Yeah, we didn't see it opening week. Well, we might have saw it opening weekend. We didn't see it at midnight. We saw it like at afternoon showing or whatever. But a couple of buddies and I from the cigar shop, we're all history nerds, went and saw Dunkirk opening weekend, Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. was that was fucking incredible. And that Mm -hmm. was that was that's.
2: I own that movie on
0: DVD. I got to be honest, I've seen it like twice since I've seen it in the theaters, mostly because like it. That is a film that does not translate to the sc- the TV screen. Yeah. Like a lot of these other films like you can just watch like I would have loved to see Casablanca on a fucking big screen. Like if if like if Movie Tavern or anything ever does like I'm sure they will or have if I ever catch window that like Sam I'm fucking calling you up. We're going to go watch fucking Casablanca on the big screen. Like I want to do that. But Man. but it, it, it it's like I can watch that shit on my fucking phone and it it you know, it kills like it's awesome. So like it really doesn't matter. But like Dunkirk is one of those things like you had to see it in the you saw it in the big screen, it just like it doesn't it doesn't do it justice.
3: Yeah. One, one of Ryan... saving, saving, saving Prime Ryan is the same way yeah. though. I mean that's a big screen TV that just the, the, the saving private Ryan, the way they just desensitize you in the first you know 12 yeah. minutes or whatever it is, then 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 you're just all in on the storyline going forward on that. And some of those just you know, but I mean, the, I'd say now there's maybe three films a year, if that, that I'm like, oh, I want to go catch this. Because one, I don't want to wait, you know, and I don't want spoilers or, something, or I think it's going to be better on big TV. It's just There's not too much of that now. And the technology there at home, I mean, we all have you know, relatively flat panel TVs and good sound systems. And a lot of them you can just watch home. See, I, I will say there's this isn't one of mine that with
1: friends, but Oppenheimer on the big screen. You got You got to see it on the big screen. Okay. Don't yeah, think so it as well to a TV, um, but one of mine that I specifically remember going to see this movie with my cousins because I've got I have a gigantic family. We all got together Thanksgiving or whatever it was, and went to see was Mad Max Fury Road on the big. screen. <laughs> oh shit! That movie was unbelievable. Now it does not translate. I mean, I think it's a good movie, but it doesn't translate to a TV like it mm-hmm. did full blast on the big screen. And even though I hadn't, at the time, I hadn't seen the original Mad Maxes, but it didn't matter. Um, But the other one, I specifically remember me and my best friend in high school were huge Lord of the Rings fans. So they announced The Hobbit was coming out and we're like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. So of course, you know, we both read the book and we were like ultra hyped going into this movie. And it was like, I, I remember that experience of there being Lord of the Rings on the big screen for the first time in what 20 years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was awesome. Like going to experience that, like with a couple of wow. buddies that that's what made that. And now I go back and rewatch the movie. I'm like, this is disappointing, but the experience.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you, uh, Fred, when's your next visit to Texas? Do you have anything planned? Uh, I'll be there in
3: November. I'll be there okay. for like a couple of weeks. My uh, at- niece is getting married
0: and I'll be there. Oh, cool. Well, congratulations for that. It'll, never mind. It'll be too late. Up and higher. be out of theaters. Uh, Sam, I guess we'll, we'll have to go. Maybe you can see it again and just live through it.
3: So apparently there, there's it, like it's designed for a special IMAX screen of which there's only like eight in the United States or something like that. Like we have one in Florida, but it's waste. It's farther south Florida or something like that. Apparently there's like a screen it's shot for. Um, so I'd like to catch it on one of those if I can. That'd be cool.
1: Oh, that would be cool. I mean, it's amazing just in theater, but I yeah, it was like shot
3: on like yeah. eighty millimeter. <clears high throat> yeah, yeah, but there's all, there's only like a half dozen like theater. It was a really small number, whatever it was. Maybe there's twelve, but it was like an unusually small number of screens that had the ability to show it like that. But I'd like to see it in that format. I
1: will say, seeing it opening weekend, I think it was opening day. The amount of you know middle school and high school girls walking by in full pink. Was an
2: experience.
0: Was oh yeah, yeah. for Barbie.
2: <laughs>
0: Barbenheimer. Yeah, it's it's funny that those two films are competing against each other for like viewership. Hey, Barbie made a
3: billion dollars or whatever. And it's
0: like the first film in years to do that. Yeah, good for good for them, man. I really yeah. don't have a desire to see I'm not like I'm not opposed to seeing it. Like, I'm not like one of those people like, oh, this is crap. Like, I, I hear it's great. And, yeah. you know, like, it was a great experience. I just, I have no personal desire to see it. I mean, I'll probably watch yeah. it at some point when it's on Netflix or something. But, like, um, just because of, yeah, why the fuck not? But, yeah. like, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I do hope it, like, revitalizes
1: going to see movies in theaters. Yeah. i like out.
3: Like those two movies. I'll tell you what's got me in the theaters. What's got me in theaters is the fact that they've got the comfy seats. Now you can reserve your chair. So you're not getting there half hour early to get the seat you want. I do like that. Um, I, I, you know, I get there early and get, you know, kind of where I want to sit. It's usually on the left side, usually kind of close to the aisle. If I got to run and use the restroom or something real quick. Um, But you know, the, the full, the reserve your chair, the lean back chair, I don't care whether they serve food or not. Some of them do. Sometimes I find the food distracting because they're coming in and getting all the, payouts like right at the end of the film but uh just the comfortable seating and and, and being able to reserve a spot you know you can go it's i like you like that and i think that's helping quite a bit yeah
1: I, I I, the dfw from a small town in new mexico I was like oh my god
0: i'm used to like classic theater seating i was like yeah
1: the greatest thing
0: in the world go to see yeah. a movie it's nice it's nice yeah the floors aren't sticky anymore it's almost like not even a theater yeah
2: yeah so
0: uh, <clears throat> but no i I do like I do like the way theaters are are done now. I love the reserve seating myself too uh you can get the the seats that you want and stuff. The last mm-hmm. few movies that I've seen with my kids I've taken my well, I've taken my oldest to see a few films like dude, we're the only ones in the theater still like that was still sad, yeah, it's still yeah. sad, granted. I'm seeing like a five o'clock Tuesday viewing of like you know. The bad guys yeah. you know animated film like so granted <clears throat> you know not oppenheimer or, or something but like still, <laughs> still like it's it's just it's just sad but like hopefully like you said Sam, like these some of these movies that are coming out like top gun maverick barbie oppenheimer like they they get people to get back to the theater because
2: i will say that was, that
0: was another thing.
1: Like i got to watch top gun with my parents who remember the first top gun coming out and we're like oh shit, this movie's actually good.
3: Yeah, yeah, they did a good job on it. They did a really, uh, you know, I, I mean, I saw Top Gun when it came out and um, they did a good job. Good script, good, great filming on it. It's just, it's one of those movies. It's, it's kind of like the way I like, like, I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I really like the first one. I like, you know, it's just just a movie you can just enjoy. Like if, when I first saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't know much about it. I, I wasn't a comic book guy really for the most part. So I'm just like, this is just a fun movie even if you yeah. don't like you know the comic book era type, it was just a fun movie
2: mm.
1: I agree completely
0: I think yeah. I didn't realize this is such a hot take but I still I think I think Top Gun Mavericks the best fucking film in 10 years
2: Ooh. wow uh, it's a bold, good bold, bold move cotton Um, I mean I haven't seen in up. fairness I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet Man, 10 years. So since 2013, since
3: 2013, yeah, I'm trying to think, I mean, granted there's not as, I, I hate to like be the old guy, you know, films aren't as good as they were when I was young, but um, they're not Fred. You're not, you're not alone. In there. They're large, not. Largely. Well, look, cause I mean, look, it's always been a business, but they'll go to, you know, uh, you know, remakes and they'll go, they'll go to where they can you know, guarantee to make money. So, but then also really in the last, you know, 20 years, we've really had the rise of the independent films. We've really had some, you know, some good, you know, low budget ones that that come through. Um, of course, I can't pick up one offhand uh, hand lightly, but um, uh, some of the foreign films that, you know, have done well. Uh, you know, but I mean, I think I, I, it, it, is, it is a lot of formula. I mean, it, it's a lot, not a lot of originality.
0: Well, I, I like 1917. Uh, I still haven't seen All Quiet on the Western Front. I hear it's amazing. Yeah, I, I have on. one of those. I need to
3: see them. 1917
0: is really good. The Trench is really good. That's like a really Dark Horse one. Dunkirk, I guess, was Dunkirk was 2014. Maybe yeah. Yeah, so. Maybe that Top Gun was a little overstretched because I think Dunkirk's a better film because I think Dunkirk, it's really great. 17.
3: We have a theater. It's one of the ones you can reserve seats in, but so they do four a month. And it's usually like three of them are usually like, you know, we're going to do ghostbusters or something like that. But then there's, there's one classic in there. They'll, they'll do one classic a month. That's out of there. And that's kind of neat to see on a, on a big screen.
0: Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, but I think it, the last 10 years
1: have been dominated by Marvel too.
0: Well, and I yeah. think, I don't, I don't know how, you, well, obviously Fred, you just said you're not a comic book fan. I, I, I was really into it at the beginning and stuff, but like now it's just exhausting. Like I'm just, exa- I'm exhausted by it. Like the IP is just worn out.
3: You know, you know what it is I, for me, for me, it's, it's, it's like, okay. So the ones that surprised me were like Wonder Woman, uh, Thor, which I thought was going to be horrible. And it was so, but when they get into that, we're going to have 17 different superheroes. And, and, and to me that your, your words, exactly right. It's exhausting. It's mm. Like, I don't want to follow 50 storylines or the intermix of all of them, I and mean, I got that it's fun. The only ensemble one that I probably really liked is I liked X Men when it came through, I thought that was different. Yeah. Um, but but now I mean, that and then, so now the whole multi- the the multiverse thing that like all rules are up and we can do whatever the hell we want now. It's just, oh, yeah, it's, that's, it, where, it,
1: that's where they kind of lost me. Like, I was in through like in game with like yeah. the emotional ending, yes, of the game. Uh, but then they lost me. I granted, I think. WandaVision was good and Loki One WandaVision's is great. Yeah. I think I think they
0: hit the mark on those two shows. Yeah, WandaVision's good. I've watched some of those episodes. Like it's really well made. They're it really is. well made.
1: But I also so, think superhero movies, they have not surpassed the standard that is the Dark Knight in 2008
0: Yeah. Well, that yeah, I love I love the so Dark Knight. Good. I see I love Batman Begins. I think I think the first mm-hmm. one is like really really great. Yeah. I know we're we're planning on doing a Batman one at the, at some point, a Batman you know, uh show one of these things and stuff, but like the um but I am a big fan of the original Iron Man, but that's like that's Downey. That's not Marvel. That's oh, yeah. that's like, yeah. that's all Downey that makes that like that character. Well, the like,
3: the original the first batches of Spider-Man, I like. Now I could care less. I mean, I, I just I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean Tom Holland's a fun guy. Yeah, yeah I like, but like yeah. I, the the Toby Toby to me, Spider Man Toby Maguire, that one that it's still like I still like it. Yeah, I still like it more. I, I just do. I'm,
1: I will say the latest Spider Man they did where they had Toby come back. Oh yeah, that one was that was pretty good. Now they, yeah. the a lot of the movies recently have just been misses, but that what? one. The,
3: yeah. I don't think that the, I don't think those are generally characters that we get to see evolve through movie after movie after movie They they were never meant way they were never I mean, that, I mean, so you're trying to bring a story arc to a character that you're, you're really having to reach to force them into other situations, I think, in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think the one that they've done well with the three movie arc was Guardians. I yeah. think, I think James Gunn hit the mark on all three of those movies. Yeah, it's a, so it's a really was like dark and emotional. And it was like, wow, after I went and saw the latest Thor movie, you know, it's like, wow, this is
2: just well, new. the
3: last like the last Guardians is like, wow, I mean, just the whole the whole origin story, you know, with the raccoon type thing. It's just which is a raccoon. Turns out, you know, it's just it's just the whole origin story on that is like, it's it's dark and it's sad. And you're like, wow. But I mean, yeah, it's I, I, I you know, i want to be entertained. Or I want something historical, and just like I said, some of the Marvel ones and the DC ones right now. I'm just like I don't really care. There's just too much going on. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I saw. I took my son to see the the animated Spider-Man, the Spideyverse. So speaking about the multiverse stuff, and it was, I mean, God bless my son because he's fucking eight years old and he's following it, following it through, and he's like explaining it to me afterwards. But like, it was confusing, <laughs> like, and it was confusing, and. and and of course, the the ending's a fucking cliffhanger. So there's another one coming. I was like, God damn it! I have to go to see another one of these shit. Damn it! Come on. But, but no, it's um. Yeah, I really liked I really liked seeing Dunkirk with some buddies and stuff, and and I miss I miss going. You know, obviously later in life, you know, it has to do with it too. But like, I miss going to a screening with like with a group of friends or family and stuff. So like, hopefully we can get back into that. So. Uh, I'm going to have to wrangle Sam into going to see Oppenheimer with me. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, let's get back on track here. Um, and then this is the last segment for uh, of our segments, and then we have some more discussion on Casablanca. But this is back to Casablanca. So this is our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Curveball segment. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Saka has been knocking them out of the park eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So um, this this film actually had a different title, an original title. Everybody comes to Rick's. Which I think Casablanca is a better title than Everybody Comes to Rick's. But is there a better title
2: for this movie? You know, um, I've, I've well. been thinking about that because <laughs> you sent this out,
1: you know, like right before I was going to watch the movie. Um, in preparation for the show and I can't think of it's just it's so iconic Casablanca right I wanted to think of another one that's I mean it's one word
0: and it gets the essence of the film well it was originally a theater play so like everybody and again it was all set in the bar (laughs) and so like it was of course everybody comes to Rick's appropriate title but I think they kind of like they took that concept and they made it with Casablanca you know Casablanca is the is the the place that nobody can escape essentially
1: and I think you know the original was supposed to all be at the bar and you miss a great scene at the airport if it's all at the bar Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah and like where does the movie end if not at the airport
0: yeah if Strasser gets killed in in Ricks it's like it's not as cool yeah Mm -hmm. It's just not as it's just not as cool.
2: Um, I do like that we get one last visit at Rick's though
0: before we go to the airport. It's still pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I couldn't I couldn't think of another. I was like I was hoping you guys would come up with something. So this this segment obviously, sorry, Steve. The segment kind of hit the falls a little bit on the dull side, but I couldn't think of another title. I couldn't even think of another title. Like, what do you else do you call it? Like, let alone a better title.
3: Well, they would have had to go with some, you know, romantic type, you know, drawn out one, but Casablanca was the one
2: where you knew it was, you know, except the United States, you know, it was a mystery. Yeah, going there. I mean, it's encapsulated and everything.
0: Cool. All right. All right. So we have some debate discussion items here, I, I think, and we can kind of lead into nitpicks and stuff a little bit later here in just a little bit. But um, here's a question I like to ask uh i've i've wanted to ask this so they actually don't talk about this specifically because they couldn't come up with a reason but i'm going to ask us to come up with a reason why can't rick return to america what did he do
2: he says it was a combination
0: of all three i don't know if that was a joke throwaway line maybe it's tr- i don't know what did rick do that he can't go back to america Wrong answers. I mean, you should, you, <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, you know, he murdered somebody. You have to you have to make something up. I mean, you have to I mean, because there really there really is no answer to it. I mean, when you talk to, you uh, know, when the interviews, uh, the Epstein brothers, I mean, they say they couldn't come up with one. They couldn't come up with a reason. Yeah. So they just didn't address it.
2: <laughs> and I think that, you know, in,
3: in retrospect, it adds to the whole mystery that's Rick. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you get parts of it, you get to know a little bit of this past, but you never get to know, you never get to know all of it. And I think in the end of the day, that was probably the right, the right way to do it. Not, you know, everything easy looking look back, but I mean, anything they would have come up with probably would have been disappointing in your mind. They left it to you so everybody can come up with their own thing that they can do the backstory for Rick. So, you know, it's really one of those rare situations that not knowing the origin of it is really better.
2: Yeah.
1: I tend to agree. I mean, I could come up with some nonsense answer, but I love that they left it a mystery, that they didn't pick a solid reason why he can't go back to America.,'t like yeah, if he can't, or if he just doesn't want to, like he left something behind that you know he could go back, but it was like, you know, there's like trauma there, and you can't return to the trauma. you don't, so- you don't know what it is.
0: Well, I thought about this and then I immediately dismissed it because basically it, we like we as we've discovered in the film like Elsa is is one true love, right? Um so like I thought maybe like he, you know, killed his like ex-wife's lover or something like that. But then like that doesn't make sense because like his Ilse is his one true love. So like yeah, that just like, I immediately dismissed that when I kind of thought about it. But yeah, I love the thing, keep it a mystery. I can't think of anything, like, to your point, Fred, like, and, and to the Epstein's point, like, I, I can't think of something that would be good enough. To, like, if we heard it, like, if we actually did know, it'd be like, oh, that sucks. That's stupid. That's a dumb reason. So, yeah.
1: yeah, I don't even know. Cause even if you could say he's like disillusioned with the isolation of some of the United States, it's like, no, he's bought into it. It's, yeah. yeah. I like, stick my neck out for nobody. Yeah. So, yeah, I I really don't know. I I love that they're going to address it. Okay.
0: So when Laszlo asks Rick initially for the letters of transit, he offers him 100,000 francs. He says, if I can raise 100,000 francs, you know, basically. So if 100,000 francs is the obscene amount of money that he was going to raise to pay Rick for the letters of transit, how much do you think he was going to, the Laszlo was going to pay Ugati for the letters of transit initially?
2: A good question. I mean, I was trying to look up what 100,000 francs was
1: worth and in 1942 in Vichy, France, and I had a really hard time finding an answer in U.S. dollars. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can make a, a guess that – well, I just stomped on a spider while I was talking um, – that 100,000 was was the guess. That's what his initial offer is, but
2: it's, who knows? No matter what it is, Rick wasn't going to take the number. Right? Yeah. So in the theme
0: of money, in a quick, hastily done deal that was a handshake agreement, how much does Rick sell Rick's
2: four to Ferrari? No idea. I think it's 100,000 francs. Let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think whatever it is, it's a low ball. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Low to what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the question. Does he get paid? No. I don't think he does. I, I don't think he gets paid. I think, he, well, at the end of the movie, he and
1: Renault have to go into hiding. Yeah. Yeah. They take,
0: yeah. They take the $10,000 bet. And that's their, get that's, their, that's their running money. Yeah, he didn't get paid. Yeah.
1: I mean, Renault's got plenty of money off of extorting young women. and. Into-
0: yeah, yeah
3: that's a whole theme throughout that that they they get very close to the edge of that but they don't I mean it's 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 uh especially with the couple the roulette when you know the scene with Rick and the and the, the young bride um, they're they're, tr- they're treading very close to topics that just would be appalling in a right now. They don't outright yeah. do it, but they are so close enough that you know he, what's going on. He's such
0: a fucking dirtbag, man. That, talk about oh, something yeah. that doesn't age well for 2023. This fucking guy oh, yeah. in power who's just like manipulating yeah. women and just like having his way with women because oh, yeah. he can and he's in a position of power. Like, holy God, in 2023, yeah. this yeah. would be like the scum of the earth. But we, we fucking love this guy. Like, he's my He's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely.
3: He's hilarious And this He's movie. He's
0: great. Yes. Well, it's... because
3: him and him and Rick are exactly the same. They're out for themselves. Yeah. They, they 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 have no they have no loyalty to anybody. So it's it's almost this mutual admiration of this. You know, hey, you know, you do your thing, anything. We're going to overlap once in a while and stuff like. But they're the same. They're the same behavior. Right. In well, that
0: environment. Well, I love, I love it because it's like probably the worst insult, but it's like said as a joke. It's the worst insult to the film, especially if you look at it through a 2023 le- lens when Renault says, I'm going to miss you, Ricky, because you're like, you're the only man in Casablanca that has less scruples than I. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. What, what a fucking dig. Oh, man. God, through a 2023 lens, that is just awful. Yeah. yeah. That is awful. So, uh, again, keep Keeping on the theme of money, how much does the young couple win at roulette? How much is that money that he that pile of money that he? Two thousand one
2: hundred forty-three dollars. You just made that up. No.
3: So he puts he puts seven chips on his original bet. It's seven or eight. Can't tell. Can't tell. But it's about seven. It's thirty-five to one on a roulette wheel. So that's times thirty-five times thirty-five is eight thousand five hundred seventy-five. They're not betting dollars, I'm assuming, because of the era. So I think they're probably 25 cent chips at most, which puts it to 2143. dollars
2: Solid. Wow. That's
3: my best guess. That's my best guess. Which <coughs> we'll to, two thousand 2100 $2, $2, would be enough probably to buy a passage of wherever the whatever is. Yeah. That's my bet. That's my best guess.
0: Wow. Yeah, you just did that. Off that. that we're we're we we're go. moving on. We're moving on because that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. It's yeah. Not even, it's not even to buy passage. You just bribe money. <laughs> Yeah. Fred's, Fred's coming in with the clutch. All right, so we're, we 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 alluded to this a little bit earlier when we were talking about how, like, this is, like, as we look at this film as it ages, when we look at The Godfather 80 years after its original release, when we look at Star Wars 80 years after its original release, but those are series, you know, especially Star Wars. Um, they They toyed with an idea of a sequel for this. So my question to you guys is, would you like to see a remake, a sequel, or a prequel to this film? You have to choose one.
2: We have to choose one. Oh, man. If given the choice, I wouldn't know, I would choose none. But, oh, man. I definitely don't want to do a prequel. I think it does a great job of telling the story and telling the background through the movie. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a movie that can be remade well and live up to it. I mean, we can
1: have all kinds of fun trying to pick cast members for a remake. I think that'd be funny. Um, but I mean, I guess a sequel of Renault you know, and Rick. Yeah. Of the Nazis would be my pick. Uh, I,
2: I do think it'd be fun if we try to cast a remake. But I, I'm going with sequel. But with the original cast. Yeah. If we could go back in time. Yes. Fred, gotta pick one. Um, definitely not prequel. Uh, yeah. Just because, definitely
3: not. I mean, uh, it's not, I just don't think you want the, the, the origin of Rick is a mystery, and I think it needs to stay that way because anything, anything is not gonna live up to expectations. Uh, sequel would have been, interesting with those two um but i don't know if it had weight so i'm gonna go remake oh and sure. and and honestly the only person i could think of in modern day that i think that could could have done that role and i think you really need to go back about 20 years for this actor is i think harrison ford could have done that role well
0: Ooh, i like that holy shit yeah because
3: he's he's definitely that gruff can be, can be harsh, but can show a heart in there. I think, you know, you take Harrison back, Harrison Ford back about 20 years. I, I, I'm not sure, you know, we can, we can, you know, go through other cast members and that would take forever, I guess. But um, I, I, when, when we talked, when I saw that on the notes, I'm just like, I think Harrison Ford definitely is is, is of that same makeup that could, could have played that role about 20 years ago when he was just a little bit younger. Um, but I think he could have done that. Just, I see him in that role. I see his attitude. I see his, his sarcasm in that role. I think, I think if anybody could have done a remake and if it could have been done well and I'm in it, look, it's, it's it's almost impossible to do it well, but I think,
2: I think he could have done it.
0: I'll throw I'll throw you a sidekick for Harrison Ford.
2: Gabriel Byrne is Renault. Mm.
0: It's either that or Gerard Depardieu. It's one of those guys. It's either Byrne the, or Gerard The Riggs.
2: skinnier skinnier I do. Bar- yeah. J. Bar-
0: yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Like, Renault. who could be? Yeah. Gene Hackman is Serena Senor Ferrari. Should have just been fucking weird.
0: Yeah, I I'm a see, I'm a I'm have I honestly was against the prequel too. Not as harshly as you guys. You guys are like really undershot, but I thought about it. I was like, oh, that'd be cool to an the story, but like I like we all kind of talked about, I liked I like the mystery of it. I thought about sequel. The remake has is a little enticing, but I like you, Fred, I went back a little bit. Like I just don't think like anyone today just really doesn't have it. Cause then it's like then it's like Chris Pratt playing fucking Humphrey Bogart's. Part yeah. No, oh, he couldn't do that. I think, when I see Chris who's, Pratt at Parks and Recreation.
2: Who's um, Jean Reno, Reno
3: from The Professional?
2: Oh, yes. Jean Reno. The height the height yes. doesn't work, but heck, we'll just throw a Ford on blocks. I think he could have done Reno.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you say the name the same way. It's not spelled the same, but it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. that's perfect. Thanks, French. Yeah, he's, and he could be. He could be a little sinister too. You could make him. You could make the character. Oh, for a sure. Darker. You could be the character yeah. a little darker too. So yeah. and Gary
3: Oldman for something. Gary Oldman would have to be in there, you know. Yeah. Oh, he could play. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy, the uh, the big dude, the guy that sits down at the couple table. Um, Carl.
2: Carl.
0: Yeah. He, yeah. He well, Carl. Gary Oldman could be Carl. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But who can replace Ingrid Bergman?
0: I that's the one I couldn't oh, come up with. Oh shit. See,
3: that's, that's what I couldn't I, I that was one that was the one when I was going through that in my brain uh earlier today. I'm like I, I couldn't I couldn't come up with somebody.
0: Like you're thinking about like someone like Sydney Sweeney or Margot Robbie or something like that at that point. But it's just like how oh, you can't you can't match that stunningness, man. And those are two beautiful women. I'm not trying to knock them at all, but like shit.
3: I mean, you could have done a younger Michelle Pfeiffer, maybe.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, if we're going back to Harrison Ford, yeah.
3: It, I mean, you gotta I, again. I mean, somebody now at the right age now, like Harrison Ford's not the right age now,
2: and and and, and yeah. Um...
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's it's timeless. It's a ti- it's a timeless film, man. It's just yeah. like it just. Yeah. I, I'm I'm glad they haven't done it. All right, so we've kind of flirted with this a little bit tonight. Let's talk about nitpicks. All right, so here's my biggest nitpick of the film. I He's a fucking phenomenal actor. I love him. And, dude, Sydney Greenstreet is Signor Ferrari. Who the fuck is this um, guy? So Ferrari, he's Italian, right? But he's, like, traipsing around Casablanca with the Fez on, yeah. hanging out with Muslims, doing that bit. So is he Muslim? Is he Italian? Like I, I don't get it. Like Signor, which is you know Spanish, like, <laughs> and he's looks like nothing of those people because it's Sydney Street. I don't know. Like the character is just so like if there was like a like one character to extrapolate from this film, but he he's he's a he's a key cog, so you can't really take him out. But he's just such a such a weird composed character in this film. And he's just my biggest nitpick. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't get yeah. it. All
2: right. Yeah, he's a really weird one. My, my biggest nitpick, though, is the whole letters of transit.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mentioned earlier. It's like, one, they said they're signed by de Gaulle. The Nazis didn't recognize de Gaulle as the leader of France. De Gaulle was in London at this time, he was the leader of the resistance. Two,
3: they would have just killed Laszlo.
1: Yes. Right. Walked up and shot him. Yeah.
3: Like, Carl, I mean, them Carl yeah, says was the, it. That was weird, yeah.
0: Carl says it. Renault says, hey, put Major Strasser at the best table. He's like, I offered him the best table already, knowing he was German and he would take it anyway. Like. Yeah, and then like the, when they start singing the French anthem over the Germans, singing the German song, like. The Nazis are just open firing at that point, like the whole fucking bar is just like, <laughs> like a Christmas yeah. tree, like yeah. fuck this.
1: Yeah, you think like, the Nazis are gonna let that slide? Yeah, it becomes a. It no, becomes I mean, a scene they, hunt, they hunt him back.
3: They hunt. They hunt him down, and then they're all like, "Oh, we'll yeah. meet over at the inspector's office," and oh yeah, we'll do this. I mean, it was, yeah, that was it's like this weird Switzerland all of a sudden that you know the city becomes. Um, yeah. my, my my two pre- nit- nitpicks. One is is coming from someone that used to do stage stuff and knowing it was a stage thing. Um, the location of Rick's office changes on that set a little bit. Like it's kind of upstairs in the landing, but then sometimes it's not, and it's it's and and, and it's a small thing, but it's kind of weird. Um, and then from a historical standpoint, uh, when they do the flashback scenes when he's when he's in in France and 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 they're in Paris, um, other than the fact that the drapes become blinds and then go back to drapes or whatever it is, um, <laughs> there was no, no there was there was no notice of. Hey, they're going to be here in three days, like over the loudspeaker. Hey, they're going to be here in two days. They, they, no one, they didn't know they were coming and they took over that city in, in like literally overnight. So there yeah. was no like this advanced warning that we know they're on their way here type thing. That was probably, you know, from a, cause they didn't need to do that. So that was kind of a, I only nitpick it because it, that's not at all what happened. Right. But to me, the, the letters of transit is still the, the number one, the number one thing on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and you know, like,
1: they blew through the French army in a matter of days. You think oh, yeah. gonna people notice
0: so they can escape?
2: No.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Where? So, I was going to bring this up. So, I'm bringing it up here. It's nitpicks. I guess because he pays him well.
2: Why is Sam loyal to to Rick? Like, what? Because again, well, I, mean, I mean, they had history.
3: I mean, they had history. So my thing is, is Rick took care of him somehow because they alluded, they allude to them in the past that, you know, I mean, when she, when she comes back when also comes back, she's seen him before and it wasn't there. So it's yeah. not like, it's not like they don't have history. Right.
1: Yeah. I think he's in, like, you see him in
0: France, I think. Yeah, yeah, they're in the bar. They're mm-hmm. in the, uh, Bella Roar. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. last scene with the champagne
3: and stuff. So they're, he's just, they're, they're just, they're, they're tight that way. I mean, that's just, yeah. He's loyal well, to
1: him. Especially with like the scene where Rick is drinking alone, waiting for Elsa. It's like you see more of a friendship there than employee owner. Yeah. Of business, yeah. I think then yeah. you interpret as employee owner of business. I and mean, plus, like Sam gets 10% of the profits of a place. Yeah. When you think a piano player gets 10% of the profits of an entire yeah. restaurant? Yeah.
0: It's freaking nuts. Uh,
1: so I, I think there's a deeper friendship there for sure. But yeah, I mean the, the great big hole in this movie has got to be letters of transit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. To go back to like unanswerable questions, you like you wonder like what happens to Sam? Like, does the does the bar stay open? Does Ferrari keep it running after he go after Rick goes on the run? I think Uh, it does. I think it does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's business as usual. I I think that's one for that's like one of Ferrari's like redeeming qualities. Like, yeah, Rooks wouldn't be Rick's without them. Yeah, of course I'm keeping those guys. No, and I believe that. I believe that.
1: Yeah. If there is a sequel, do some of those guys go with Rick?
0: You know, Carl's going, but he's fucking dead like in the first week because, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Carl's going. Sasha's going. I mean, you with. Based on what we've talked about with Sam, does Sam leave and go as well? But yeah, with if they stay, they definitely keep Casa, Casablanca. They definitely keep Ricks open. F. Now, do they have to? Tasha doesn't go. Yeah. doesn't
3: go.
0: This is the second film that I remember that there's a really like an important the the piano player plays such a pivotal role with it. So it's Julie Wilson as Sam in this one, and then to have and have not, you know, the famous film with Lauren Bacall. You know mm-hmm. Bogart and Bacall, this guy named Cricket playing the piano throughout like every fucking scene in the restaurant, mm-hmm. in the hotel. Like it's he's he's a lot more funny, though. It's a weird role. If you have, if you haven't seen the film, you guys need to see it. I have you, seen, seen you it, you, Fred, You've never seen it, I don't think I've seen. I don't
3: think I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. Uh,
0: it's yeah. It's because when it is really really good in it. Um the chemistry between those two, just like you can see why they became partners. And so there's just, they're freaking mm-hmm. jumping off the screen. It's nuts. So it's, it's really well done. All right. Um, a couple other questions here. So, all right. So Sam said this, and I was actually going to, I was actually going to, this, they were close close out the show with this, this. is our, it's our favorite scene, but Sam said this at the very beginning. And so it kind of ruins a little bit because I was going to start with like, this entire movie is a fucking favorite scene. Like, like we said, like you could fast forward through any part, close your eyes, open, you know, open it and like you know it's Casablanca. And like there's, there's no part of it that's like not watchable. I was, I was, so I was listening to some like other podcasts about this film and I stumbled onto like these, I think it's called Two Dudes in Film or something like that. And so basically, like the two hosts of this particular podcast, like one, they'll pick movies for each other and they I think they make it a goal of picking films that like the, the other person will not like or that are like outside their comfort zone and stuff. So Casablanca's brought up for one. He's like, "Yeah, so tell us why you hate the film." He's like, "This movie is boring as sin." And I was like, "All right, I want to fucking turn this off." But I was like, "I'm going to hang just I want to <laughs> listen to this." Like it was just such a just a such a lousy take. Like just like how this movie is not boring. Like I I don't know. Um but um, My favorite scene probably Is when Rick Sits down with Strasser for the first time The whole I'm a junkard And he, and he's like we have a complete de- Dossier in you and he's like tell, Reads off basically his mysterious history And he pulls mm-hmm. the dossier out of his hands He's like are my eyes really brown <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, that, that whole exchange at that yeah. table it, I'm yeah. fucking in It's great like seeing the reactions Of the other guy uh, The other main nazi that's there that's yeah. out, that's already there in Casablanca is really great too like can you imagine us in london uh when you get there ask me uh yeah you see us in new york he's like well there are parts of new york i would probably advise you not to invade Uh yeah yeah like the whole exchange is just great um i i love that scene I, any any i know we've mentioned a lot tonight any ones of your your favorites guys
1: You know, I mean, like we said, there's a lot. Um, when they sing the anthem, when Rick finally takes a stand yeah. against the and just the emotion of all the actors and actresses behind it is one for sure. And then the second one is kind of a, you know, prolonged, it's multiple scenes. But just Rick double-crossing everybody, like he double-crosses Laszlo, to send both of them he double crosses ilsa to send both of them and then he double crosses Renal to send to send laszlo to lisbon it's like he he like worked everybody yeah it's where those two belong together they need to go Fucking burn, Sponac- burn the boats man burn the boats yeah i i love that scene um but yeah that and seeing the french anthem when rick finally he stops his policy: If I stick my neck out for nobody,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Fred, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like, there's so many good scenes, and and that's why I think the, you know, like, to
3: the podcast thing, I think it's boring. I mean, you, you have to listen to the dialogue. It's a dialogue. Look, this isn't an action film of slash buckling or anything. You have to listen to the dialogue. the lines really good. Um, I, I you know, it, it's hard to pick one. Um, the 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 airport scene or parts of the airport with Renal and Rick, you don't know how it's going to go down. You don't know when you first see it. You don't know. I mean, you, you've led all the way up to this and you just don't know who's going to turn on who. And then the fact that they both just leave together, um, to me, is just a, it, it's a great moment of them, you know, agree to disagree. And, you know, we, we're both doing our jobs or we're both playing to our character. But at the end of the day, we, we need or want to have each other around. Um, I, I like that scene a lot you know i mean the whole double cross thing is really cool um you know the classic her her flying off and and stuff is you know is good but i, I like i like their relationship throughout the whole movie. i like rick and Ronald's relationship through the whole thing i, I think it's just, it's it's an interesting interesting um story arc for both of them um you know the airport scene uh, is is obviously classic and it gets all the you know she goes off and and, and all that stuff which uh I did, I did read the thing that showed the thing uh, that they couldn't film at the airport at night. Yeah. I mean, so they actually, a war. Yeah. yeah, it was one of the ones, one of the times, and they did this in M2, where they had um forced perspective where in the background, the planes are actually made out of cardboard and they hired little people to walk around in the background. So it looked like they were in the distance when in reality, they weren't, that was a cardboard plane with little people walking in front of, but it looked like the crew that's working on the plane. Uh, and you, you'd have no way of knowing. There were like jump students
0: or whatever. So you'd have no way of knowing. But um, I just think that's a really cool fact. Why does he call Strasser? Why does Renault call Strasser? This is the biggest one. Of, this is another thing I forgot to mention.
1: It's just, I don't think Renault has like made that transition
3: yet. He hasn't made like, the decision. Yeah. This the is the thing. That's what I love the about the scene though. It's at the very, very end that he finally makes, uses a path.
0: Yeah.
1: Because like he says earlier in the movie, it's like, You know, where's your loyalty? He's like, oh, my loyalty goes with the wind, or whatever he says.
0: Yeah, prevailing wind is Visvici. Yeah, yeah.
1: God, he finally takes a stand at the end, where he's like, round up the usual suspects.
0: Yeah. So so the there's a there's a lot of I think there's a lot of dumb moves in this film, like like Ugatti, like fucking opening, firing in the bar, thinking he can get away. Like if Rick's gonna help him or not, like even if he's like pinning his hopes on Rick helping him, like how the yeah. fuck's he getting out of there? Like that's I that's just pure desperation. Like just stupid. Um L- Laszlo like not not taking like not leaving Ilsa, like I I get it. He's in love. I get it. It's crazy. But like I don't know. I, if I find out, if I find out about my wife and fucking Rick in the middle of that film, like he does, which I don't know if he actually figures it out till the end. Cause he, he just seems pretty dense in that regard. Like he's so, he's so intently and focused on like the resistance. Like, I don't think he's stupid. I think he's just so intently focused on it. And that's how they kind of, that's how they kind of write it. But I'm just like, how do you dude? How have you not put those two points together at this point? Like, until he's like at the bar, he's fixing his arm. he's like, "Yeah, you need to take my wife <laughs> like you need, to... yes, yeah. I love her that much. It's crazy. um but the dumbest move in the whole fucking film
2: is Strasser goes to the airport by himself That's He amazing.
0: wasn't at, he wasn't by himself at the office. He's like, "Get my car."
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> he goes That's to the true. airport by himself.
2: Another, another.
1: It's like the Germans had this mess. They had Rommel's army in freaking North Africa.
2: But no, he goes to stop them all on his own. Yeah.
0: The arrogance of the Third Reich? I don't know. I don't know how to chalk that one up. That's just. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'd think like you would want an audience. Like, I'm finally going to catch the famed Victor Laszlo. I'm going to do this. Well, that's the problem with the whole movie. They
3: could have caught him at any time. They yeah. could have just ripped him out of the bar. I mean, that, that's the whole, the, the weird part of the whole film is that whole, yeah. like, you know, they could have walked in and just shot him or hauled him off and he disappears. I mean, you know, I mean, if this guy's that bad and that much, the face of the resistance and can cause that much strife, which he talks about throughout the film, Strasser does, it's like, yeah. But, you know, it's gotta be yeah. played so nicely, I guess, on screen.
0: You gotta, you gotta, you have to. <laughs> that's have the, other,
1: the other crazy thing about this film is at this point when this movie was released, we did not know who was going to win this war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This war was not over. The, they were locked in Stalingrad against the Russians. Were the Russians going to fold?
2: Yeah. Yeah, fold. you're right.
3: Did we beat the Germans? Yeah, you're right.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's, kind of That's a
3: moment in time that we have no idea how it's going to
2: play out. That's a good point.
0: What about the Japanese? Yeah, the whole thing. Like It's just crazy.
2: Yeah. Um, any final thoughts, guys? No, I mean, you know, I, I think, like I said, it, it, it's not it's not
3: it's not it's an, it's in my top 40. um it's it's definitely in a top twenty five for dialogue and things like that. I, I I think the only reason why it's probably not a, a, a top, you know 2010 for me is just cinematography is 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 good. But it's not—it's not anything from if you're just looking at cinematography and positioning of people and hierarchy of someone always being slightly higher than somebody else on the on the screen, or you know, just some of the stupid geek stuff uh, from a filming standpoint. It, it doesn't do anything really earth-shattering for me in that department. But as far as dialogue, and it's funny when you when you do a show like this, you start you know going through the dialogue. There's so many good lines in the film that are just so easy to miss
0: yeah i I put it up there in terms of writing, like I put it up there like with like basically like Aaron Sorkin Aaron Sorkin's like the only person like in modern day equivalent that writes this well, where the characters are really that well written, where everyone kind of delivers their lines perfectly, like I mean, this is like a few good men kind of type of cast that just just delivers every freaking freaking line i love it like it's incredibly well written yeah i like when i when I, you, I, you're you got a great point there fred like the cinematography isn't that great but i do think i do think this is where gordon willis drew a lot of inspiration when he was trying to light the godfather though just about the shadows and stuff like that i really I mm-hmm. there has to be some influence there because it just a lot of the shadow work i i mean gordon willis is the fucking route rushmore mount rushmore when it comes to c- cinematography it's just like him there is no more there's no other three it's just him but no uh, i think
3: it's cool that they did it in black and white because that made the lighting key and yeah. i i will say that the lighting has you know black and white you know they like like it was pointed out earlier i mean they had the ability to color and they chose not to and i just don't think it would have had the same vibe at all in color
0: yeah when we're outside the blue parrot for the first time and they actually have a parrot sitting next to the words blue parrot that parrot's actually blue it really is it's like <laughs> they really put and it was like it was a like, it was a critique. Like, they like they're like i need a blue parrot and they're like we're shooting in black and white i need a fucking blue parrot like yeah it was that important to him that he had to have a blue parrot even <laughs> though it was it was not in color
2: <laughs> yeah i think i think my biggest
3: you know final thoughts
1: You know, today in, you know, Hollywood, American culture, people get really upset when you put political messages in films. Look at this movie. The amount of political messaging in this movie, either it's anti-Nazi, it's anti-isolationism. It's so much in this movie and it aged so well. Yeah. You know, World War II is kind of a good versus evil kind of conflict, but like at some point, you have to look at some of the political messaging in movies today, whatever your beliefs are, and be like, that's part of the the art of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an excellent example of how well it aged. And granted, well, I mean, it's, it's, in the time this is happening.
3: I mean, it's borderline propaganda. It is. I yeah. mean, it's borderline speaking to everybody that's sitting on the <laughs> sideline that doesn't want to get into the fight you have to make a decision because you look at both Renault and you look at rick and they both had to make a decision it's borderline you know that's the thing we, we we weren't alive then but at that moment imagine being somebody particularly the you know the united states and imagine seeing that and, and being influenced by you know the main character making a decision to get involved i mean that, it, that's pretty strong
0: yeah like, I was just, I was, fast forward to your point, Sam, this is something I was going to mention too, so I'm glad you brought it up. But, like, you fast forward that to today, like, you think about, like, how a lot of a lot of films that are being made are, like, uh, for showing the different perspective of history in a lot of ways, again, not to get political, but a lot of ways showing the a leftist look, like, leftist lens, you know, in film, like, historically speaking. Like, even, like, Zero Dark Thirty, which was very much a, like, pro hey we we killed Osama bin Laden that's great like they the, the opening scenes are all about the torture that we did which is very like that's very eye-opening for a lot of people so like that's you can't even like you can't even put them on the same wavelength as this like like you like you said Fred this is like borderline propaganda of like hey choose a side are you are you a, mm-hmm. are you one of this or are you one of us or are you one of them
1: And I, mm-hmm. I was thinking about the film and the release of it and it's like they did not expect this movie to be successful They thought it would be received as just another propaganda film.
0: Yeah. Well, like theaters were fucking pumping out 80 films a year. Like they're not doing that now. No. You know, production companies were putting like 80 films a year. And this is just another, another one in the till, you know?
3: Yeah. Only, only Netflix is doing that
0: now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, No, but good stuff. Um, I, I, yeah, I absolutely love this film. Uh, Thank you guys so much for, for, you know, we getting on here and celebrating 80 years of Casablanca. It's fantastic. Um, we'll have to come up. We have the, we have our nerd, we have our nerd one with our, our final installment of Lord of the Rings in the fall. We're going to be doing that. So I know Sam's really <laughs> excited about that. So we'll have to come up with another one for uh, the spring next year. We, we did this one a little bit later uh, than we originally intended, but, uh, but we'll have to come up with another one. So I don't, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it'll be good stuff. So uh, Fred, maybe we let you pick. I know, the Batman, I know the Batman one was your choice and we can definitely do that. Well, I mean, I think, I think
3: the Batman, I mean, the argument of best Batman, best Bruce Wayne, you know, best parts of each of the films, you know, construct your own perfect film out of it. I mean, I don't know,
0: you know. Yeah. But I'm always down for picking apart one single movie too. Yeah, we definitely do. Uh, we're definitely going to do the Batman one. That's going to happen. So stay tuned for all that, guys. So uh, really appreciate everyone. Hey, we got under three hours. We did it, guys. We did it. We did it under Ooh-hoo. three hours. We did it. How about them apples? The record. That's a record. So, uh, we did go longer than the film. So, that we did it justice. We did go longer than the film. So.
3: I'd be disappointed if we didn't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, everyone out there, we do really appreciate those likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. Check out our YouTube channel, Elosa Fumar. You can always catch this show every Sunday night on the Elosa Fumar Facebook page live. 9:30 Central, 10:30 Eastern. Uh, calendar of upcoming guests and everything will be coming up soon. You'll be—we've got some great guest plans, so it's going to be great shows coming in the next few weeks. Uh, and you can always catch us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Too, whether you're on Apple Pod, uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, spotify doesn't matter. Wherever you listen to podcasts, be here, sure you uh, download, subscribe, and review. If you already are a subscriber, do me a favor: hit the word unsubscribe and hit the word subscribe again really helps my numbers so I can keep continue to get great guests like my two guests tonight, Fred Rui and Sam Spencer. Uh, gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Fred, this was two weeks in a row for you. You were prepared to do this last week. So I I, I, I was out thanks. here. I had the wrong week, but I was ready. <laughs> yeah, uh, props to you, sir. And uh, congratulations on everything Illusione, The rebrand looks fantastic. We know you guys got some great projects still in the works there and we'll be learning little about those in short order too so stay tuned to everything elusione some great stuff coming and uh continue to smoke louisiana cigars including the new Habano from aj fernandez this factory and uh blended by none other than dion Giolito. that's a great partnership that i hope i hope we're just seeing the beginnings of not trying to tease but i hope we are that's just a sincere hope on my part but mm-hmm. Uh, For everyone out there, we really do appreciate it. I'm Barry DeFellisley, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's Fred Rui. He's Sam Spencer. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.